I'm going to Rome. You understand? How far can you go before your nerves break, before your heart stops, before your eyes leave your body? When you have no way to fight back, a stabbing nightmare becomes a living terror. For every murder, for every victim, there is no warning. Don't blink. Don't turn around. Don't even move. Now you'll witness the darkest vision of horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 230 of the Triple Shots and Moods and Horror Podcast is coming at you live and direct with the homie, JP, also known as Double Shot J. And of course, I be your host, the Moods. Yeah. What's going on, guys? Oh, guys. I just plur- <laughs> uh, you know, I just pluralized that, didn't I? You know, apparently I'm talking to myself. Moods, how's it going? You know, that's one of my biggest pet peeves in the world, right? Is when people talk in third person. I absolutely motherfucking loathe when people talk in third person. Do you have like weird pet peeves like that? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Because I always feel like the wife always says to me, she's like, you have so many pet peeves. And I'm like, I really do. It's, It's probably because I just like to complain about shit. But that one legitimately drives me nuts, man. Like I've, I don't know if I've ever told this story before, but I met this person one time and they were literally talking in third person. And I thought she was joking and I was like, ha, that's funny, you know? And then she's, and then she just like, you know, she had that dead, like, you know, look on her face, like dead serious look on her face. And I was like, oh, she's totally not joking. She literally talks in third person. And then I started to get a little bit freaked out. I'm like, who the fuck talks in third person? Like, it's a weird, weird thing. When you really think about the mentality of talking in third person, like, are you like, what is that? Why would anybody talk in third person? I don't know. Anyways, it's a little weird. It is weird. I think it's very, it's a very, very strange attribute to to certain people. It, it's very awkward and odd. I don't know why people wouldn't recognize that. But anyways, and as I usually say, I'll digress from that because we already tangent off from what the show is. Episode 230, Umberto Lenzi 2 here in Italian Horror Month. Yes, this is a week late because last week we had some, I'm just going to say Skype issues. I wouldn't say it was internet issues, but something was going on with Skype. I couldn't connect properly. It was cutting me out for minutes at a time. So we said, fuck this. And you probably... Yeah, it was actually like really disappointing because we had Dave that week. Yeah. Um, and so the, all three of us hopped on to actually record. We wasted about, I don't know, at least two hours, I would say, trying to see if it would work. And then not only did we not ever get to re- like, we literally started the intro like three different times and recorded like, I don't know, 15 or so minutes before it would just crap out. So not only did we like 
attempt to record the episode, but then we also had to end up pushing it back, which because Italian Horror Month is November, it pushed one of the episodes into December, which isn't the worst deal in the world. I mean, who really cares? Like, oh, oh, it came out in December instead of November. It's like nobody will even notice, really. No. And um, that, but that what sucks is now it's just us two on this one, and Dave watched the movies, of course. It just it, it basically made a whole mess out of everything. Um, but that's the damn technology for you dude yeah and it's 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 a fucking mystery too because like it wasn't an internet thing like my connectivity was 100 percent. i was you know my upload everything was running so good i just couldn't connect to um or i couldn't stay connected and what it comes down to is like a distance thing sometimes skype just doesn't work properly based on distances and blah 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 there's a whole lot of variables and semantics that go into it but it seemed and, and the weird thing is this week everything is the exact same but it's working totally fine so you know that's the ups and downs to recording when you're like 2100 miles apart but um it doesn't actually happen very often you know in the like 10 years we've been recording how many episodes have we had to like just not record because of internet issues not a whole lot we've had we've had power outages and things like that that were mm-hmm. obviously not pre- we can't prevent those but actual like connectivity issues not very like every once in a while it'll happen but you know, for yeah. 230 episodes of record, we haven't really had to like postpone a show because we're like, holy shit, I can't fucking hear you. <laughs> right? I think there was really only like on one hand of, t- cause normally we reschedule it the same week, mm-hmm. but now it's like way harder to do that. It is. Um, but I do remember there was an exploding heads episode where it just wasn't working. Yeah, the internet was like messed up or something. They were on for a top ten, and it like ruined the whole vibe. Killed killed my vibe. Right. And then there was another time. <laughs> this is actually it was Dave's first episode. It was um, Argento. Uh, was it the? It was the Phantom of the Opera. Um, Phantom of the Opera. What was the other one? Card Sleepless player? card player. Card player. Yeah, I think. And. <laughs> Uh, my internet went out and we were that was when we recorded like later at night yeah and i literally drove to carly's house and got on her internet to finish the episode right right i remember that one i remember that one yeah 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 like yeah i mean you know like i said considering how much we've recorded over the years we haven't had a whole lot of issues like i said i've oddly enough we don't get power outages a lot but it's happened two or three times on game day where the powers went out and i'm like what the fuck is with that it's like the gods just don't want to fucking they just want to be difficult sometimes but i don't know man um i know i I know it went out not maybe last year at one time right we were recording the power went out in a recording which was weird like in the middle of recording my power went out it was fucking strange but um anyways um that was pretty uninteresting. So let's move along. <laughs> uh, Italian yeah. month episode two, uh, Umberto Lenzi two. Um, so we got on this episode. What, what were the first, we did spasmo nightmare city and cannibal fear in, in uh, Lenzi one, right? That was years ago. Yeah, we did that. We did that years ago. That was kind of an interesting show. Cause you got a, a giallo, you got a zombie film and you got a cannibal film. So that was kind of a all rounded mixed show. Uh, for tonight's episode, we got seven bloodstained orchids from 1972, which has been talked about on the show a couple times, not fully reviewed, but, or maybe it was cause we did 1972. Did that make any top 10 list? Do you remember in 72? Don't, I don't think it made any top 10. Okay. 
um, list at so, all. So it, it was probably mentioned, obviously, on the show, but I don't know if there was any major discussion about Seven Blood Stains Orchids. Uh, then we got Eyeball from 1975, and um, we also have uh, a later entry, which is Ghost House. So we got two Giallos and a um, uh, Supernatural Nightmare Logic whatever you want to fucking call it later Lindsay we'll just call it later <laughs> Lindsay because all later Lindsay album or movies are um very similar to this so yeah anyways uh so kind of a different show um and uh yeah I'm like I'm I'm, I'm Wait, this was Dave's pick <laughs> this actually is Dave's pick isn't it <laughs> he missed his own pick right <laughs> this is like classic Jeremy move oh man that's fucking hilarious how did so he picked Lindsay picked a naughty you pick so who picked march was that the listeners yeah the listeners more more so the patreon group picked the show okay um it wasn't really posted publicly it was just for the patreon people um so yeah they actually picked the martino show which was a pretty good pick mm-hmm. oh yeah i mean that was inevitable though we were going to definitely be doing another um martino i mean there's probably going to be more martino shows to be honest it's got a lot of films. Yeah, not next year, but maybe the year after. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, next year, like, I mean, I guess oh, we, we didn't get that. We talked about this, but we didn't yeah. actually. They don't know because we it never recorded. <laughs> so yeah, so this was actually one of the conversations that we had last week that we had to kind of scrap was um, we got ahead of ourselves this year because we started thinking about um, you know just Italian directors and things like that. Or it, I don't know, it might have been more more me, but I was thinking because this year we kind of went back and did you know part twos and part threes for guys and stuff like that and of course there is one director here it's the first time but i was thinking for next year like it'd be it'd be kind of cool to do all first time uh directors and you know kind of make the shows like you know good too because we've done a lot of first time directors but some of the shows have been hit and miss with the type of titles and stuff so next year we have four um first time directors and uh the films that make up the shows are all really good it's going to be a really really interesting year for uh, yeah and actually most of the films i have not seen mm-hmm. um i believe this is probably the most that i haven't seen since like one of the first years where yeah. i think like the first couple years it was like literally like 10 out of 12 or 11 out of 12 i hadn't seen <laughs> where right. now it's more like i think this year is like 50 50 i'd seen half and not seen half uh but yeah that's actually re- i'm really excited for next year because th- it'll be our ninth year um and it it I like that we're doing something that we I don't think ever done since the first year where we've literally done all new people. Yeah. Uh, the first year would have been obviously all new because you can't have done them before, but right. I don't think we've done all new people anywhere after that. Well, so it was impossible. Be really... be- it was impossible because we did our gentle like every single fucking year. So it was always a repeat <laughs> in there. <laughs> But uh, right, exactly. But like, what? Uh, what? Then, what? Well, what makes next year very special is because you know, with with uh, with home media being the way it's been going the last few years, like we're kind of living in this golden age of collecting, and you know, films getting really good releases. Is that a show like next year is made possible because of all these boutique companies that are just dropping all these films, like all these obscure films, and now they're readily available for us to do instead of watching like you know, ten years ass, ago. Old, 
VHS rips and all that kind of bullshit. Yeah, like like this show wasn't possible ten years ago because a lot of the a lot of these films we could have found, but very old, probably cut. There was literally one that we couldn't find. Right. I remember we did 1996 top ten, and we were trying to see one of the films. I won't spoil what it is from that year. You probably figured out if you did enough research. Uh, It's Italian, and. It, we literally could not find it. Like Jeremy yeah. tried, I tried, right. Woods f- tried. We tried our both legal and non-legal ways. It's still to not, figure it out. It's still not easy to find. It's actually one of the movies that doesn't really have like a great like region one release. But Dave fortunately does have it. But yeah, so that is one of yeah. the films from one of the directors. But like I said, though, I'm and looking- it is possible. I would not be surprised if all of a sudden we see that within the next year just right. because like the way th- things have been going like so many titles have get gotten picked up like yeah did you see that four flies on gray velvet is finally coming out on a okay. non-dvd yeah you want you want to hear something really fucking strange so every you know year when italian month comes around i'm always like kind of you know searching around for shit to buy like maybe upgrade or whatever like i have a really big italian collection so sometimes things are a little bit scarcer but it, of course four flies gray velvet is one of the films that has a region one DVD release. So it's just pretty crappy to be honest. And, uh, but shameless yeah, had released I the Blu-ray. That. Yeah. So shameless released the Blu-ray, you know, a bunch of years back and now shameless is kind of bought up by arrow and blah, blah, blah. So you can still get the Blu-ray. It's, it's available still, but I just never picked it up for whatever reasons. I don't know why I never grabbed that Blu-ray and I literally added it to my cart, um, within the last couple of weeks. And of course, Severin goes and announces the region one Blu-ray release for it as part of their black Friday. stuff. and I got to say, man, severance announcements for their black friday sale this year are crazy like there's a lot of good shit in there man this is probably one of the better ones they've ever done they have like eight or nine releases that are all pretty cool man and unique and shit and i'm like wow so yeah there's i i literally didn't didn't plan on doing much at the severance sale yeah um but then once they started announcing things i was like well, there's at least like three or four things that i have to get now yeah, yeah. four flies on gray velvet is like a must because like one the dvd is not the greatest and i don't think that it has both versions of the film or even the best version of the film whereas the blu-ray i hear is like awful the the that shameless blu-ray well and that's actually partly the reason why i never grabbed it but i just i was like you know i've been waiting years and years this is part of the reason i was like well you know we're gonna get a region one release and and you're right and like this blu-ray came out a bunch of years ago it's been a long wait and like I almost lost my patience, and then this shit gets announced. But yeah, you're right though. Like the the reviews on it were pretty bad. Some of the shameless Blu-rays were pretty shoddy though, and some of them were cut too, right? So you know, yeah. just due to the so, UK, um, yeah, to the, the rating board. This edition that Severin's doing is very nice. It's I think it's the, a website exclusive, so you um, you have to buy it through Severin. Yeah, yeah, that's that's okay. um, but that that's a I mean, dude, the way I think our, out of all the filmmakers that we know and love from John Carpenter to Wes Craven to Lucio Fulci, I literally think that Argento is getting the most love right now. Like he like, dude, think of all the films that, of his Deep Red, Tenebrae, Phenomena, Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Oh, yeah. All like, those like all extreme. these films are yeah coming to 4k in Mm. these amazing editions on top of that i think every single one of his films except for do you like hitchcock is and giallo are on blu right now at least blue right after after four flies you know in region one everything is on blu-ray which is pretty incredible 
Um, but now we're starting to see him, all his films get these 4K releases, which is nuts. Uh, even the, his other film, the comedy or whatever it is, that's coming th- on the Severn Cell as well yeah. on Blu-ray. Uh, and then there was that show, some Italian horror show that was uh, yeah, released. Dude, that's super I don't cool. know what it is, but yeah. it looked really neat. Yeah, that's pretty cool, too. And then there's the, the Luigi Cozy stuff, or is that what it is? No, I think the, there's like a Cozy movie that's being released, too, which I didn't really know much about either. And I'm like, wow, these are some pretty interesting fucking announcements, man. But yeah, um, the uh, what is, is his name? Um, the guy who did uh, Day of the Beast, Inglasius or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a film coming out too on there. Yeah, I can't remember what that was called. I didn't. I haven't seen that one before. So um, yeah, yeah. I, I can't bring it up right now. I don't, I'm not sure what it is. But yeah, no. The announcements are crazy, and I just thought it was kind of interesting because there was like half of them at least were Italian. I'm like, well, it's perfect for Italian month, you know. Announce all these obscure and, and and fucking straight up goody italian releases for italian month i mean they're fans they're listening <laughs> so right dude but yeah no this that, this one really got me really fancied my pickle man i was like holy shit dude these are really crazy announcements so but you know severin does that though man they, they release some things i'm not like fully interested in but like they release a lot of good stuff man really well, i don't do. remember if it was last year or the year before but i thought their announcements were like really really weak you know i did too I and then like, i ended up the hell is this i ended up picking up a bunch of these releases like i didn't really know much about them like the forbidden door and stuff like that which is from the same director of you know satan slaves remake and things like that and and it's a really good movie. Like some of those releases turned out to be actually really good. Um, but they were a little bit more modern and stuff. This is kind of a different angle. Everything is like old Italian, um, just very, very obscure shit. So yeah, pretty excited. But yeah, next year is going to be, like I said, man, it's, it's a show that could not have happened 10 years ago based on yeah. the releases that we have nowadays. Like all these movies are on all, I think every single one of them besides one of them is readily available from our favorite uh, boutique labels. So the, all the nice transfers and shit, like it's just incredible what's happening with, you know, uh, foreign films and these uh, boutique labels, what they're doing. So, you know, it, it should just keep getting better and better. So for years to come with Italian Horror Month, maybe we'll just keep getting more and more and we'll be able to do more first time directors and things like that. So, but I'm real, I honestly, I'm super excited for next year's show or yeah, ne- and then, next year's month because like i honestly, love the majority of these movies and it, it's just crazy that we're able to do these now that's what's right. blowing my mind i'm so excited for that man so yeah and honestly like the year after the 10th year i want to do something like big uh and and maybe a little out of the norm from what we do right um but yeah so the next two years of italian horror month this one isn't even halfway through yet <laughs> and the next two years are already looking good like they're gonna be cool but the, the it's called the devil's game by the way for those that, that was curious that um it's a six hour long it's it's six hour long films from 1981 and it includes mario bava's final directing yeah that's work. right that's right that's right which is cool. That's a cool release right there. I'd never even heard of this. No, man. And, and you know, that's what I'm, yeah, that you're right. Okay. Uh, it's called the so Venus that, of Isle and it's got Daria Nicolotti in it too, which is kind of cool. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's the, the one that's part of that. So, um, but yeah, this is right. Yeah. Um, the other Argento, the five days is the comedy. That's the one. Yeah. The five days. I've actually never, I'm not actually a big fan 
of a lot of like the late 60s early 70s um italian comedies and stuff i think i think it's more of a translation thing you know when you're watching yeah. the films like the comedy just doesn't work for a western audience as well um like full like i mean yeah like i there's just some films i just i can't fully actually get honestly into. like all of these releases look pretty solid. This oh yeah, one, yeah. Um, I miss you, hugs dogs. and kisses. I miss you, hugs and kisses was the big one for me because it's like one of the last um, video nasties to get a release. This one, like, oh, literally really? ne- this one literally never had any release. So I miss you, hugs and kisses is like one of the last two. So this is like a really, really big release. Um, so thank you, the gods over at Severn Films for doing that one. That's crazy. Yeah, Absolutely I think this ridiculous. is literally one of the best years they've had for like the Black Friday announcements, right? Um, and then, dude, did you know they made Bird, that Severn made Birdemic 3? <laughs> Third one? <laughs> yeah, dude. The fact that there was actually a sequel is even ridiculous, but a third one? It's called one? Birdemic 3 Sea Eagle. I wonder if it has the same director. It better. Oh, man. That's, that's crazy. That is absolutely ridiculous. I never saw the second one. The first one, I remember <laughs> laughing so hard at it and being like, this can't even be real life. Because that shit well, was the just, thing. The thing yeah. is, is like I remember like the director talking about the movie, and he was talking about it as if he was fucking Hitchcock, bro. Like, <laughs> see, that's re- what was funny. About I remember, it. I remember hearing about this. I never saw it, but I remember commenting about that and being like, you know, I think he's very self aware that the movie is a piece of trash. But I think, but he, he also he did it funny because like he knew what he was doing. I don't think he was intending to you make think? a really good movie. I don't know. I See the was, way I, I don't know. perceive From it. What I had heard. I think I it's part of the act. It. I think it's part of the act, man. I think he's playing it off like that I, would be. I think he's literally right self-aware, and he's playing it off. He's playing a character, like he's playing it like you know. I made this that really good movie, and he's selling it like he did, but he knows what he did, and I think that's part of the act. I think he's just he's he's charactering that shit up, man, because he has to be. How could anybody in the right minds who has the means? And the skills to make a real movie make something so shitty and think it was good like that. Like, I get it. There's crazy people out there. Like, David Sterling's a little bit nuts like that. Like, he legitimately thinks some <laughs> of his movies are crazy good and stuff. And, you know, to the average moviegoer, they're, they're like, those are terrible. Right? So people don't even know shit. They're like, those are fucking awful. But I get it. You know, there's some crazies in the world. But, but I mean, let's face it, man. Like, that is, like, some of the worst superimposed effects and shit i've ever seen in my life dude it's like you can do better effects with like the free editing material or editing programs on your fucking new laptop that you buy let's face it you know Mm. so but i mean i that's i would like to give them the benefit of the doubt and be like bro like you were self-aware you're you're playing this shit up and i think that just kind of adds to the mystique of it a little bit too because (laughs) let's face it man that shit is just it's gut it's it's belly laughing inducing man like yeah. I was pissing myself watching that shit. I was like, this is just hilarious because like there is, you know, directors and filmmakers that make movies purposely bad for the sake of making a bad movie. Like that they're trying to make <laughs> these bad movies and you're like, and then you watch these and you're like, okay, this is like ridiculous. This is so ridiculous. Like what was the one that we reviewed on the, on the podcast the one time and you just fucking, you couldn't, you hated it so bad because it, it, <laughs> dude, hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is going on. Um, the movie is totally escaping my mind right now. But anyways, it's that was it's a great example of a film that's like so fucking bad. 
what's that what? oh sorry what was that oh i'm sorry uh, i just i couldn't stop laughing at this um the director uh was interviewed in 2016 saying he wants to make birdemic 3 see equal which will be the last in the birdemic series so after that interview he attempted to crowdfund the film by launching an indiegogo project which only raised 596 dollars out of its 500 thousand dollar goal <laughs> What? And then later later on he did a Kickstarter and it raised two hundred and thirty dollars out of his two hundred thousand dollar goal. <laughs> two hundred thousand dollar goal he raised two hundred. Two hundred and thirty. Dude, people usually make bigger donations than that, just you know, one single person. Oh my god. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is nuts, dude. Like literally sometimes people will already have money from a um, financer that they'll then have them donate to the Kickstarter because half the time people are too lazy to research themselves. So if they just see people donating to a Kickstarter, like it's 50% of its goal in like the first week, then it more people like, Oh, this must be a good project to get involved in. You know what I mean? So most people will actually have like $10,000 donated at one time from like somebody who already was financing the film. You know what I mean? But right, just doing right. it through like Kickstarter so that it, it um, artificially makes it seem like there's interest. Right. right. He didn't even have that. <laughs> well, I mean, can, I can't really, I can't really blame it though, to be honest. I mean, I mean, well, some people just made, don't have, some people just don't have the same sense of humor, man, because like, I, I mean, you, you hear people talk about Birdemic and they're just like, they don't even laugh when they talk about it. You know, you know, that's how bad it is to some people, which is, if you can't take that shit, uh, you can't take that serious. So. Dude, that's it, just nuts. Yeah. Dude, it, it's crazy. Like, dude, his goal together between those two things was $700,000 and he raised like a total of under a thousand. And this was for the, so what, what was the, the actual budget on the first movie? Like, um, it, it must be I think so it was around like 500,000 actually. The first I mean, movie cost him 500,000. I think so. How? Like, I don't understand. Like I'm, I'm being dead serious. Like I don't understand where the money would have went to that. Because <laughs> oh, never mind. It was under 10,000. Okay. So yeah, that makes sense. And, and that's including buying the cameras and, and, <laughs> but seriously though, like even under 10 grand, I mean, you compare, see, you see, even if it was Oh no, what was paranormal activity? It was five grand, right? Or was it ten grand? It was like eight, I think. Eight grand. So it was between five and ten thousand. And you look at the difference in quality of the movies. So say relatively speaking, the same budgets. It's crazy. Yeah, that's one of those things where like if you um if you're making a film for a lower budget you kind of need to make it within your means, right? Like you don't put a giant action sequence on top of a skyscraper that ends with a character falling off in a $10,000 movie. No, (laughs) like you, no, you you make a movie that's set in one location, like paranormal activity. And you do a lot of like cube or something. (laughs) And you, and you use good writing and, and trickery and things like that. 
you know, to, to sell the, yeah. to sell the story and the narrative, right. You make it work like that, but yeah, you can't go out of your means. You're right. Like you, you're making a movie for $8,000 and you're like, well, I want to have this kind of like Ronin car chase in this film, but, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if that's going to work, bro. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I don't think that we're going to get a tank for this scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You when, know what I mean? when you have to, put in your budget like hiring stunt actors and things like that you're like no that shit ain't gonna work bro no it all like, co- it all costs you know money i mean like like the only vehicles we have access to is your fucking mom's honda civic dude yeah like, <laughs> when when the majority of your budget goes to renting vehicles and hiring stunt drivers and stuff <laughs> like you know you're just that's you might want to cut that scene out and replace it with yeah. uh with um <laughs> whatever the fuck they did in the effects in that movie, man. I don't like it's superimposed. Like, Oh man, it's just, Oh fuck. Oh, it's so, so bad. um, what one thing that we were talking about when you cut out last week that I kind of wanted to revisit for a quick second, if you don't mind. So me and Dave were talking about, and you probably literally might've missed this entire conversation that we had. <laughs> probably, man. It was bad. Um, but we were talking about, um, like Christmas horror movies and cause we, we were, we do have an idea what we're doing for Christmas this year, uh, for our Christmas show since, um, we did miss last year's Christmas show, but, uh, it's, uh, you know, pretty, pretty fun. Now I was telling, talking to Dave cause like I and you like watching Christmas movies during Christmas. Dave doesn't do stuff like that. Um, yeah, he's I difficult. Was, he's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't have like, he doesn't, to him, it doesn't like make the season better to watch a bunch of Christmas horror movies. Whereas, like, I love doing that. <laughs> yeah, we like to embrace um, the seasons that we're that we're living in. So, if it's Halloween season, you watch some Halloween films. If it's Christmas, it's, you know, it's and that's really kind of the only thing. Like, when it comes to Thanksgiving, I know people watch like certain Thanksgiving films, and and you know, a lot of people watch, you know, My Bloody Valentine Blood on. Rage. Yeah, they watch Blood oh, Rage. On, yeah, Valentine's Day, they'll watch like you know My Bloody Valentine and. And things like that. But I think the major ones is Halloween and Christmas. I kind of fully embrace, but I, I think that's, you know, it's, I think that's fun to do. You know, it's celebrating those type of films. Like I, I just don't feel yeah. right watching Christmas films during the summer months where some people are like, I know I can tell you why I just got in. Uh, I just got in, you know, the brand new Blu-ray of uh, don't open till Christmas. I'm not saying it came out in the summer. It just came out. But if it did in the summer, people are like, oh, I got to watch that right away. I'm like, oh, fuck that. man. I'll save it till Christmas, man. You know, watch the Yeah, transfer. Once we get one snow, I could start watching snow movies <laughs> and Christmas right. movies. Right. Like that's one of the reasons why I wanted to push the eighties show back. Cause I was like, dude, I don't feel like watching uh, the shining and don't open or not don't open uh, all a good night and Christmas evil in fucking the summer. Fuck you guys. Yeah. That's the thing, man. 1980 has a lot of Christmas horror films and, and kind of like new year's related films and shit like that. So yeah. And new year's evil. Like I want to like, that was the perfect to watch on like new years or around it. So right. it worked out for well, me. I usually watch, I usually watch Christmas evil like every Christmas day you know, around that time. Cause it's like my, yeah. favorite one. I love that movie. And, uh, you know, there's certain ones I like to watch right around that time, like silent night, deadly night. And there's, you know, some other ones, black Christmas and shit, but, but yeah, yeah just watch There's, there's yeah. some that are like, uh, not Christmas, but like the thing I always want to watch in like winter time too. Yeah. I mean, it's literally a freezing cold film, you know, right. It just screams winter. It's awesome. It's like the, it's like that movie. Um, Oh, what's that one that's set on Christmas Eve? Oh shit, dude! Wow, Windchill. That one has a. That, I've never seen that. Oh, dude, that is a crazy. Like, it's literally set on Christmas. It doesn't really have a Christmas aesthetic to it, but it's set on Christmas Eve. They're actually the point is they're going back for Christmas, 
anyways, it, it turns into this crazy supernatural, but it's like all set in the winter and it's super cold and they get stranded in the winter. Oh, it's fucking freezing film. And it's, it's actually a really cool film, man. It's really cool. Um, but what one of the, so what we were talking about when you were glitching through the matrix is, um, <laughs> Keanu Reeves, we, we love, like, I love how it's Halloween Italian horror month and then Christmas all back to back to back. Right. Yeah, like yeah. it's, it's like a month for each thing. And that's cool to me since there's not that many Thanksgiving horror films. <laughs> you so at least have Italian horror month. If my memory, I don't know if it serves me correctly. Cause I might not have even heard anything, but did we decide or yeah. Anything about the Christmas uh, show yeah. films? Did we come to a conclusion yep. on what we're doing? Okay. So, uh, um, we are going to cover one film that we were, that we watched and, we're going to review last year. Oh, that's right. Because for the people that don't remember, because I actually forgot about the suit, we had a lot of complications around Christmas last year. We ended up not even recording the Christmas show, which was weird because we'd done one like every year. Every single year since we started. We, it's the only thing we've done every single year. I don't really remember we, exactly what happened, but like it just like one of us or two of us couldn't record. Things kept happening. It's, it was it, like, it's the busy I time think of year. all three of us had an issue like three weeks in a row yeah there was something going Um, on we're just like the fuck so because we started in november the first year our first episodes started in what was supposed to like december 2nd or something yeah so we didn't have a chance to do halloween we didn't invent italian horror month yet so we literally our first thing we did was christmas and then we didn't do halloween until the following year so it literally was the only thing that we'd done every single year Mm-hmm. Save the other ones for another time. Uh, we're gonna do elves, and then we're gonna do um, Joe Bigos' new movie, um, the Bloody Santa one or whatever it's called, um, just because it looks cool, and that comes out in a couple weeks. And then the third one, we're letting people vote on. So we each pick two films to represent uh, as possible candidates. Moods picked all through the house and Red Christmas. Uh, I picked a um, puppet master versus. The, oh wait, never mind. That was a joke. <laughs> uh, I picked um, Alien Raiders and uh, Silent Night from last year. Mm. Um, not not the remake of Silent Night Deadly Night. Uh, no, this they, this one is like the most depressing movie ever made. I swear. <laughs> yeah! 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 Uh, and then Dave picked, um, what the hell did Dave pick? What the hell did Dave pick? Do you remember red Christmas or did you pick that? He picked the leech. I think it's one of them. Oh, the leech. Yeah. Cause I never even, I don't it, know what it's, that is. Well, it's brand new. It's just coming out. Like, oh, it, it's okay, like it's okay. being released. I think the breed at the beginning of, I think Arrow's actually releasing the oh, Blu-ray, the leech and home for the holidays, and home which for is the- oh, kind of a weird, weird pick. We've never really discussed that one 1972 TV movie. Yeah, I, I've seen it before. Um, I've seen it a couple times, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's one that needs to get a better. Like, it's one of those kind of weird films that has, like, a multi-pack release. And it doesn't yeah, really nobody happen. Even, I didn't even know that until you told me because nobody, like, it never was. I never heard anybody mention that. But it's such a weird thing that that movie's only release is in multi-packs. I know. Okay, so those are the movies that we all picked, and that those are up for um, vote. vote. Yeah. And so what was up with the other three? So there's the new Joe Bagos film, and then there was Elves. 
and yep. and that, so those and, and the, all, those two are already locked in, and then the third film is uh, voted on between the six that we picked. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, yeah. So, all right. If I had to guess, I feel like yours are probably the favorite. Which ones were mine again? I picked Red Christmas and <laughs> Red Christmas and All Through the House. Yeah, and it, those are two films that I, I kind of watch every year too. Ever since Red Christmas came out, I thought it was actually really. It, it it's generally not the type of aesthetic that I go for with Christmas films because it's set in Australia and their Christmas is the, like, like no snow. Well, it's their summertime, right? It's summertime yeah. in December twenty fifth of summertime. It's like midsummer for them too. It's like super hot, so it's kind of a weird. Um, it's a weird setting, but the the premise of the film is interesting. It's got a lot of commentary. Yeah, it's, a good movie. It, it's got a lot of commentary. Plus, it's got uh, you know D Wallace in it, which is fantastic. And it, it's just it's a cool film. It's a cool film. And all through the yeah. house, I watch every year because that shit is just like I I love that movie, man. It's bad shit. It's bad shit. Yeah, it's it's fun. And um, the. Alien Raiders, I I think is an underrated oh, little gem, but it, I don't think anybody's seen it really. Alien Raiders is a fun fucking movie, man. Who was I having this yeah, conversation? I, with? Like I had it. I had a conversation with someone about Alien Raiders last year, and they said they fucking hated it. And I was like, really? what? Yeah, and I was like, what? Fuck. I don't remember who I was talking to, but I was like, whoa! I've like never heard anyone say that because it's just a fun movie. Oh, actually, no, who was it? I don't remember who it was, but I was kind of taken back by that, but. Yeah, it is what it is. So yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see which one which one goes. So um uh you know, honestly, I I'm always like there has been a ton of Christmas related movies coming out. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Which like, I'm always down for. I don't think I'll ever I'll ever like not I'll never be burnt out on Christmas. I mean, films. there are a lot of like <laughs> indie, but I mean, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. There, there are definitely a lot of low budget kind of indie films, but, but I mean, the ones that we pretty much mentioned are all kind of on the same playing field though. Really they're lower budget indie films that turned out to be really good and stuff too. So, but um, I've been seeing lots of people reviewing all these random Christmas movies. And I'm like, Holy shit, dude, there's tons of shares. So I don't know if they have physical releases or if they're just VODs or whatever, but whatever the case may be. Well, the, there's also um, I saw that uh, Santa Claus from '96 mm-hmm. is getting a Blu-ray. Oh, dude, that movie is so fucking bad. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> I watched it in '96, I believe. Yeah, dude. Oh man, that that one is. Uh... <laughs> dude, I know. Yeah, what is it? 90... 1996, I think. Yeah, '96 or some shit like that. Um, I asked Dave. I said, what do you like more or uh, what do you think's better or like more Halloween themed horror movies or Christmas themed horror movies? What? What did he say? Well, he I was asking you, but he said Halloween. Oh, yeah, I would have guessed, th- guessed Halloween. What about you? Um, me, I personally like Christmas related horror films better because it's kind of like, you know, Christmas is supposed to be like that happy time of the year and stuff. Like Halloween's just kind of an expectancy, you know? Like, I mean, I love Halloween. That's a good point. That's but, a good point. But yeah, there's a, there's this like happiness to it. But then you throw like, you know, a killer Santa Claus and they're like, Silent Night, Deadly Night is unsettling for a reason. I think it works because of that reason, you know? And, uh, but yeah, getting back to that, that Santa Claus movie from 96, you know, you remember who directed that, right? I think it kind of uh, cut out there for a second. John Russo. Yeah. 
That's that, fucking actually crazy. I know. It is fucking crazy, man. John Russo, of all people, directed this like insanely low-budget, fucking pretty trashy movie, to be honest. But I don't know. Um, yeah, that's well, kind of crazy. Yeah, what That was, is actually crazy. Yeah, what was the other one that he did? In, oh, yeah, Midnight. He did the sequel to Midnight also because he did. He directed, um, I believe it was his first movie. I can't remember, but Midnight was released by... Uh, I think Severn ended up releasing the Blu-ray of Midnight. I don't know if you picked yeah, that one up. Um, I know I Arrow had released the Blu-ray or the DVD years ago, but yeah, he did. And then he did a sequel in the early nineties to that also, which was very strange, but that was kind of like a pre, not a prequel to Santa, but just, you know, quality wise, very, very low budget shit. But yeah, John Russo, if you're not really familiar with the name, well, you probably should be if you're listening to this channel, but he wrote Night of Living Dead. <laughs> a lot of people um, should know that. I mean, Return of Living Dead is right around that and shit. So, Anyways, that's what he's probably most famous for being involved with, but yeah. 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 And to go back to that also, I would pick Christmas as well. I I think that would be an interesting like topic to take like, I don't know, 20 of each of the best from each uh, thing and sort of debate which, which, uh, style, which type of, uh, which holiday horror, which, which, which stack of holiday horror films is uh, actually the better like stack you know how like yeah, literally how yeah, like, yeah. you take 20 halloween based <laughs> you take 20 of like i wouldn't i'm not gonna use the word best because i hate that term because there's no fucking best but just like favorites of people like you yeah. take you know you take halloween you take fucking wnuf halloween you know there's a lot of these films the barn <laughs> everyone's yeah. i'm like the only one that loves the barn so much um but anyways you stack them up against like silent night deadly night and don't open till christmas which it's kind of funny man i just saw a review of someone was talking about don't open till christmas like yeah i watched this movie years ago it's the worst fucking christmas movie i've ever seen i was like what the fuck i'm like yeah okay <laughs> i don't understand that man it does have a lot it had a lot of production problems but that movie's fun as hell i actually can't wait to check out the the transfer on it man because i've been watching that movie year in year out on that mondo dvd and i'm just like fuck it's about time we get a high def transfer of that shit so but yeah that would be a fun show man you take like i don't know how we figure it out you know you take 20 christmas films 20 halloween films maybe we just do a kind of vote and the most popular ones will just stack up yeah. against each other and just kind of battle it off but yeah. um that would be kind of that's kind of a cool premise i mean you really could only do with those two holidays because there's a lot of you know holiday based films like easter and shit but there's not enough They're yeah really- nowhere near enough like like you, for any of the other holidays there's you cannot do that i'm actually but quite Christmas surprised and I'm, I'm, i've always been really surprised that there isn't more and i've said this probably on the show before I, i'm i've always been shocked that there isn't more valentine's day horror films out there because like when you look at the slasher genre like it has to do with a lot of people fucking and you know love situations <laughs> and you know shit like that well ha- look at valentine's day what is it it's about couples and love and shit like that and you're kind of exploiting that with you know you know a slasher and shit like that i'm surprised there isn't more um valentine's day based films like there's a lot of easter ones but there's there's so many shitty killer bunny movies it's ridiculous they kind of make them all the same um what's the other thanks there's thanksgiving which again there's Um, there's not a lot there's not a lot there's blood rage there's thanks killing one and three yeah thanks killing there's a there's a few random ones here and there but man like there's a lot of holidays are that are completely underutilized so yeah um i agree and and i'm actually you know would love to see would love just love to see more um like other the holidays like actually 
utilized in not like the cheesy low budget comedic way that they've pretty much been exclusively um hmm. doing speaking of that are you are you gonna go see violent night it, i know it's it's got yeah. like a supernatural <laughs> angle to it i don't know it, it, it's classified as like an action horror or not action horror i think it's like action whatever a draw i don't even know or crime i think it's action crime i think is what it's classified to be but it totally has a supernatural angle to it that's kind of horrorish right yeah and, i'm definitely going to see that because yeah, i've, I've be seen fun. a trailer actually carly's mom wants to go see that with us yeah i like the guy that plays uh the killer santa claus in it um what's his fucking face he's the dude from stranger things um i know he's probably most famous from that i think he plays the sheriff in that yeah whatever the fuck is i always forget that guy's name but i recognize him from he's he's in a lot of stuff he does a lot of tv work to be honest he does but he's uh he's kind of likable but yeah it's got this weird supernatural angle to it like i've seen the trailer a couple times in the cinema and i'm like that shit looks okay like it would be fun to see at the cinema i think so and it's got john legazano in it which is kind of cool like he's, yeah he's yeah no likable. i'm i'm really looking forward to that that should be perfect fun theatrical like just neat movie to see that's probably going to be well you know mindless entertainment <laughs> to, to be honest you don't really get a lot of holiday themed films like that at, at the cinema so you know most of these holiday themed you know kind of horror action they, they seem to be a little bit more low budget or go straight to, to dvd or yeah. or whatever right so we don't get those bigger yeah. screenings of them which is this is kind of cool that's why it shocked me that this is coming out i'm like oh fucking nice yep i'll take <laughs> what i can get man um right. But speaking of releases and things coming out, like, dude, I literally don't know. Like, I cannot keep up with all this stuff. Like, um, not not the like theatrical stuff, but just like the things coming out on disc. Mm-hmm. Like, um, did you see? And I wanted to ask you what your thoughts are on this are. So you know how like Vinegar Syndrome has the yearly package, right? Where it's like you know a thousand some dollars, and you get every release besides the VSA stuff all year long yeah yeah and automatically it comes with like 50 percent off all the sister company stuff yeah which is probably the most valuable aspect of that deal yeah um but so i've seen now other companies are starting to try this like did you catch that TerrorVision is doing this now yeah yes i did so what do you think about that you think that's a like like is that something you would be interested in doing well, or do you think that it's just the the way i look i mean i don't get the yearly packages through i mean i buy the packages every month which i you probably buy the monthlies which is what i do which is actually more money you're spending more money yeah. <laughs> doing it that way I, but I think, at the same time it seems like safer than dropping like a, a huge chunk of money at once right right so and, I, I mean, just do the monthlies as well. To me, honest, to, for me, honestly, I probably should do the yearly thing because I buy a lot of the sister company stuff and getting 50% off those titles would probably end up saving me a shitload of money. But I'm just, I'm weird like that. I'll just do it monthly kind of thing. Yeah. So when it comes to TerraVision doing their own yearly package, see, TerraVision is one of those companies that I so do. So theirs I, is a yearly package. It's a 10 release package. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so the release package. So 10 at a time, basically. So and you can do it any time of year you don't have to do it one like right at the beginning of the year like when they have this sale you can literally sign up for it at any time and get the next 10 releases i think it comes down to the fact that like if i was collecting every if i wanted to collect all the releases from TerraVision, i would be down with that but there is certain titles it, it, i think they have like six releases right now. i actually have four of them but there's a couple of titles that i'm not 
going to get. So I think if it was yeah. one of the sister labels that I was collecting all of them, like like Saturn's Core or, you know, there's a couple like, you know, the um, the Fun City Editions and um, what else? The the Agfa stuff. Like I collect all those ones because I, I really like those lines. Um, and uh, but that's kind of the deciding factor is that I don't really want all their the title. So I'm not really willing to do that. So I think it comes down to personal preference. If you're willing right. or collecting certain sister companies, which there's like three or four of them that I do. And I pick, I cherry pick other companies. I, there's, there might be a title from dark or whatever it is, dark age or whatever it is. I'll, I'll grab them. I'll grab that one, but I'm not like looking to getting a yearly package or a 10 um, movie deal, you know, because there's probably going to be some, I just feel like I'm just kind of wasting money on. So I think it just comes down to personal the- preference these companies are, are doing this is because it gives them a cash flow up front to like then put into the titles and the production. I kind of see where they're coming from now with TerraVision, I actually thought about doing it, but again, you're kind of, it's almost like a the, the mystery is both a pro and a con because like you're agreeing to buy 10 things and the excitement of not knowing what you're going to get is kind of cool, but then also it could be kind of sucky if you get a bunch of shit you don't want. Now they did announce like four titles right when they announced this deal. So at least, you know, the next four titles you would get, which uh, is happy hell night from 1992 on 4k actually. Um, Mm -hmm. Linnea Quigley's horror workout, Mm -hmm. um, attack of the killer refrigerator, which is fucking awful. And the hook of Woodland Heights, which yeah. I've never seen. Yeah. And then uh Santa Claus. Those are the Yeah. <laughs> those are those are the um the four that or I guess five that were announced. So you pretty much know the first five you, you would get if you did it right now. Yeah. Which I think is I think all those movies are interesting because, you know, they're not like Hack of the Killer Refrigerator wasn't on Blu ray. Um Satan Claus wasn't on it DVD. It doesn't even have a DVD. Blu-ray. I don't even think it has a DVD. Yeah. It, it's like still on VHS. Yeah, so. it's on VHS. Yeah, you're right. Because I had to watch it for a Patreon review. We also watched it for I think it came out what 91, right? So I, I watched it again. I'd seen it before. I watched Did it, it for I think it was 91 prep show. It or says 90 from Terravision, but it probably was 91. It, it was 91. It says ni- it. it says 91. I definitely did rewatch it and I was like, "Oh my god, this movie is as bad as I remembered it to be." But you know, again, you know, like you're watching these older obscure VHS uh, stuck in VHS obscurity films on shitty full screen fucking, you know, pretty dippy fucking um transfers mm-hmm. and shit too. So sometimes they do elevate them a lot. I don't know how much it's going to work for Santa Claus because that movie is fucking terrible. <laughs> but I mean, but, it is it, it is a pretty interesting time, though, You know, you're going to want it in your Christmas collection. Yeah, and the, even well, if it's terrible, I do have the DVD, and the DVD is trash bags for that. <laughs> it is actually so bad. Even even the artwork isn't even cut properly. It's like really really bad. Like the transfer sucks. The presentation sucks. Man, it's pretty fucking pretty fucking bad. So. Uh, but I, I I will say though that these titles, um, is is a pretty interesting start to their ten film lineup or whatever. So I don't know. Yeah, I actually thought about doing it. It's like two twenty five. Um, I mean, put it this way. Put it this way. The movies that they that they announce those first five titles are things that are a little bit more obscure and don't relatively have other Blu-ray releases. Like, um, what, what was the first one you said? Hell. Hell Night or um, uh, Happy Hell Night from '92, which actually does have a blue. I think that one was released. I think Code Red put that out or Score. Somebody put that out. 
Well, this one's a 4K. <clears throat> yeah, obviously it wasn't a 4K because this was years ago. But um, but yeah, that yeah. movie's okay. But like, still, you know, those type of titles for collectors are they're enticing because we don't already have multiple releases for these. And most people probably right. don't like, even own. These. I would actually be okay with getting any of these five. Cause I don't own any of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a pretty good lineup. Like I said, I think TerraVision to this point had released six things. I have four of them. I know WNUF. I think it was one of them. I mean, they've released a couple things. They're the ones that released, uh, Video violence. Video violence. So I picked up that one. So I picked up a couple of these. There was Killing a couple, Spree. Killing Spree. That was another one I grabbed. But there was two titles I didn't grab. So, you know, it is what it is. Cherry pick if you want to. Pick up the, the pack yeah. if you want the whole thing to save some money. But I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's a good... I like these package deals. And I, I like that people are doing these things. Uh, I noticed that Mono Macabro has been doing that. You know, they'll, re- they'll announce like three or four titles at a time. And then they'll have a... You can buy the package you know it's a limited package but you can get all four titles in a in like kind of like a monthly thing so that's cool that's it's an interesting idea i'm curious to see like if it continues going on um i guess the the real important thing is like do you get do you get a like what like i think it would be interesting if you had the option to skip a title and use and and carry your title over to the next oh almost like bank you know what i mean just like bank it yeah yeah i I don't want to pay for this one but uh you know say you know say the 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 december title is one i want i'll I'll pick that one up and still kind of changes it could get a little bit confusing but i see what you're saying yeah 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 like i think that would make it interesting and then i also seen that vinegar syndrome is gonna create a um reward system which i just think is crazy that they're doing that because like there, I mean, there's literally people that buy every single vinegar syndrome. I know, I was kind of basically pissed off at that. just giving them free shit, which is amazing. But for making money, it doesn't seem like you really needed to do that. But since these people are buying everything anyway, it, it's enticing um, for other people to. It, it basically is just incentive to buy things. It's like all the reward programs for fast food restaurants, right? Like you, you, you obtain points every time you buy a Big Mac. And all of a sudden you have yeah. like 20,000 points and you go, oh, I have enough to get a free Big Mac meal. And then you go, in. but that's just enticing people because people want free shit. So the thing that yeah, pisses like me off about shit. vinegar syndrome is that I've spent, I've literally spent thousands and thousands. I couldn't even, I don't even <laughs> want to know how much I've spent. Cause I have like way too much vinegar syndrome stuff. It's ridiculous. Probably six, 700 times. It's crazy. But, but, uh, at this point i'm like i could have had a lot of fucking points or free shit by now <laughs> you oh, know? free shit out the wazoo like even me i could have had a lot of free shit you know what i mean like but hey i guess better late than never i'll take some free shit right. at least like i i'm i'm curious on it i think i hope that it comes out during uh maybe after this black friday sale i assume mm-hmm. um and then i also wanted to ask you did you see that thing that full moon's doing that with the box set um the legacy collection i did i didn't really look into it i did see a posting on instagram for it but i didn't even check what it was what it what was it Uh, so i don't know how they're gonna do it or if it's gonna go through the whole way or what but so basically charles ben started this new thing where every week he does like a video update on youtube like called like I don't know. It used to be called the Vidcast, but it's called something else now. Yeah, yeah I remember. But he the just basically gives an update, like what's going on at Full Moon, right. which I like because they're only like five minutes, and you kind of get an idea what they're doing. Like they're uh, Ted Nikolai right now is editing Subspecies Five, which would be a fun show to do. 
mm-hmm. subspecies films on here because I know you like them, I like them too. Yep. Um, so uh, he's editing that. He said they're going to be shooting twelve films next year, I think. Um, and Slime Bowl and Baby Rama Two is done. Uh, that comes out in a couple weeks or something, or a, couple, a month or two or something. He was just basically updating stuff, but they announced it this new box set called the full moon features the legacy collection and what it is is um a box set that is starting from the beginning of like charles band's producing career and going through and releasing like 10 or so movies in each volume uh and the first one is um uh, like the last foxtrot in burbank is the first film charles band ever did and it's the first time it's available on Blu-ray. And then Mansion of Doomed, Cinderella, End of the World, Auditions, also available for the first time on Blu-ray. Fairy Tale, Laser Blast, Crash, Taurus Trap, The Daytime Ended, and The Best of Sex and Violence, also available for the first time on Blu-ray. But um, so the idea is that every like couple months or half a year or even year, they'll release another volume and they'll go with the next ten movies and so on but the thing that i'm curious about is what happens when they get to the movies like goalies or something that they don't have the rights to are they gonna license are they gonna try to license them or are they just skipping them because that's the thing that, are they just focusing uh, on charles ban produced films or are they going to get to shit that he's actually directed to did they specify um, that both like it's anything that he was like sort of involved so pr- with in a heavy scale. Okay, so because think- some of these, some of these he directed. Yeah, yeah, that for, crash okay. he directed. I wasn't. Oh yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how. I mean, when it comes to rights, it's it's very complicated. We all know that. Um, but then Charles Brand has a little sneaky. He's sneaky with that shit though too. Sometimes, yeah. So he is. I, I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see, but. But I mean, behind him on a board is like these mini posters that are like, I don't know, like six, seven inches tall. And it has every film like chronologically, like behind him, like on a big board that has every like every film. And I just thought that that was cool. If they actually do this, mm-hmm. it would be sort of a neat thing. Right. Um and I picked it up. <laughs> I mean, I personally have no problem with with doing this. I mean, especially releasing a lot of these older films that don't have... Because, I mean, a lot of the earlier DVD releases from Full Moon are, you know, they're just full screen transfers and things like that. They're pretty shoddy DVDs and stuff, right? So if you're getting all these things on Blu-ray, you know, nice restored transfer, like I have no problem with that whatsoever. And you are getting some things that haven't been released either. So, yeah, it's kind of a cool concept, really. I mean, if you're willing to commit to buying these volumes... You know you're gonna you're gonna drain your pockets quite a, quite a bit, um, but yeah, you'll yeah. be draining your pockets quite a bit. But over time, you know, I mean, if he's gonna release them once every six months or once a year, I mean, it is what it is. But I like the idea. I mean, yeah, I like the idea too. And I'm cur- like, I kind of just was like, you know what, I'm gonna try it out. If it doesn't go as planned, that's fine. There's still like I don't I only own one of these movies on Blu-ray, no maybe two. So I did pull the trigger and bought the set because I actually thought the price was pretty fair too. Ten movies, 120 bucks. That's twelve bucks. You know what? Like twelve bucks a movie. Yeah, that's that's definitely reasonable. Definitely reasonable. Plus, like, what kind of case is it coming? Like, what kind of box set is it? Actually, it's eleven movies. So okay. it's even less than it's like eleven. Yeah. 50 or something in the movie i mean if the if the box set is nice and stuff i mean 
Yeah, no, it's it looked they showed the box set. It looks like it's a harder material than like some of their older box sets. Um they're all individual cases in there. They're signed and numbered by Charles Band and it's limited to 2000 and they're only making 100 at a time. Oh, so they're limited to 2000. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean So I figured 120 bucks for literally 11 movies. Um I only own Tourist Trap on Blu-ray. And maybe I might own Laser Blast. Um, and then that way I'm not kicking myself if like volume two has a bunch of cool shit that I want in it and I never picked up volume one. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's I, honestly not a bad deal either. Like no. it's one of the more more friendly deals. And he even said now, who knows what Charles Band actually thinks, but uh, what, what, what he says versus what's real is different. Right. right. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, uh, he said, you know, they really didn't want to price gouge on this one. It's more of like a celebration of the history of full moon. And they really wanted it to be super affordable. And I really think $120 is very affordable for a box set like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, um, it's, it's a big idea. It's a very, very big idea. Um, if he follows through with it, that'll be pretty cool. I mean, even if he, he only releases a few volumes, it's still kind of worth it, in my opinion. Um, yeah, but it, you got all that like moonbeam stuff, right? Right. Like it, just all all the different you know things, and it's just kind of a cool idea, really. I mean, for a lot of people, you know, spending one hundred twenty dollars on random shit is a lot easier to do than spending it all in one place. So it might hinder people from picking it up just based on the price point even though you are getting a pretty decent value for what you're spending uh for myself i know these will be probably website exclusives so for myself it's not really worth it because you know with conversion and but the shipping is the biggest problem though you know like the shipping from full moon is like crazy to canada it's just nuts so it really kind of dummies the price for myself um if if it was cheaper to get them you know any other way then it would be worth it for myself but i mean for anybody that's close by and has decent shipping it's definitely worth the price but people know what i'm talking about and i I talk about it all the time about shipping but it does ruin what you do buy sometimes and you know that's unfortunate especially with bigger things man like the ship i can't even imagine what the shipping is on that a big box set like that from full moon fuck yeah i mean yeah who knows um i do know they do like the international shipping but i'm not sure what the cost would be um i'm actually curious i think last time i looked i i, I... oh wow it's sold out really yeah oh the, be- i assume the first hundred because they said they're only they're releasing a hundred they're mi- printing a hundred at a time yeah it's trial so runs yeah the first hundred is out already that makes sense though to do that because you don't want to print two thousand up and then sell like a hundred of them that would just suck yeah Right, so you. But that's showing, like, I mean, they this went up for pre-order, like it's marketing though, man. Two days ago or something. No, it's good. I ended up getting a copy, but it's good marketing because you sell, you print, you press up a hundred of those, and they sell, and people see that on the website, and they go, "Oh, they're sold out. They're coming back in." But then it's more incentive to people to jump on it again, like, "Oh, they're they're going to keep selling out. They're going to keep selling out." It's just how people's collectors' minds work, I think. Yeah, and I'm looking on Wikipedia right now at the list of productions from Charles Band, Mm -hmm. and literally these are actually the first 10 movies. Yeah. So the first 11, which is interesting. So the next ones would be Famous TNA 2, Parasite, Metal Storm, mm -hmm. Film Gore, Walking the Edge, The Alchemist, that's where you're getting into Empire, 
the Dungeon Master, Ghost Warrior, and Trancers, and then and, Goalies. And, and it's funny because some of those movies obviously have been released by Screen Factory, so maybe the maybe the rights have reverted back to full, for Full Moon to be able to release those. I'm saying because I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah. Screen Factory probably just basically rented the rights for so long until they the rights ran out, and then they revert back. They were always Full Moon owned rights films, but they probably couldn't release them well. They were in print from Screen Factory. You know how the rights thing work, right? They're basically renting it for like five years, you know, kind of thing, right? So though yeah. I know a lot of those double features and stuff are out of print, so the rights must be not reverted, but Full Moon's able to release their back catalog, their Empire stuff, which I think he did acquire. He reacquired the rights because remember he lost the rights or something like that a while or yeah. years ago, but then he obviously must have reacquired the ownership to them. So, so that's kind of cool that you're getting that Empire, especially Alchemy, because that's one that's been stuck in VHS obscurity. Really, yeah, I, I'm hoping that they actually are going to continue and or actually might have had release. A DVD. I'm not sure all might. of the titles, right? Because if they skip over the entire Empire area era, it kind of a little bit to me defeats the purpose no. of this idea. Well, you're getting into the Empire stuff very quick. There, if like, you're talking like volume two and they're already into the Empire stuff, so they, I mean, if you start yeah. skipping that shit, then you're skipping over probably one of the best eras of you know the, the Charles best. Band. No, it is the best. Yeah. era. I mean, I like I like <laughs> when it when it went from Empire to Full Moon, Full Moon features or whatever it was, eighty nine to like ninety nine. I like that era. I think Puppet Master might have been the first movie on the new label or whatever, but like eighty nine to ninety nine, like the whole nineties vibe of full moon was actually really fun. And then as soon as it went to the new millennium, that's when shit just got really bad. <laughs> right? Like the budgets were shitty and yeah, uh, the quality I mean, of films like, changed, man. Like it's just crazy, but I like the full moon, but the empire stuff is, you know, terror vision and shit like that. Like, give me a break, dude. It's fucking amazing to me. Yeah. So like, just look at it like this. Like you, let's say you do 11 in each box set, 11, 12, 10, somewhere around there. Like you ha- literally have this chunk of like full moon era, right? Like, like let's say 89, right? Puppet master, then, uh, M- Meridian kiss of the beast, then shadow zone, crash and burn puppet master Two, doll man pit in the pendulum, puppet master three subspecies transfers Two, bad channels, demonic toys, that's a little chunk right there right and then you go to the next that's pretty much 89 to 91 right. and then you go into 92 with trancers 2 and ba- bad channels demonic toys the- and you go literally 92 to 93 would be another 10 <laughs> and right. it wouldn't even cover all of 93 <laughs> yeah they def- it's just i kind of like the idea of doing it this way but we'll see if it pans out i i jumped on board for the first one We'll see if I continue. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's a cool idea. It's a cool idea. It's very, it's, you know, it's, it's Charles Band. It's very um, ambitious. Just put it that way. But, he, you know, he's done, he, he always seems to change up his angle all the time. Right. You know, you got to yeah, be on top the of the game. Right. Ten. Right. <laughs> right. The deadly 10, but that was more because of COVID. Right. Really. Yeah. It shut down everything. Right. On there. But I, what's the last like full moon movie you watched? Oh, good question, man. Um, like, like, the new, like a new full moon movie, not like Puppet Master or something. Um, I actually don't know. I, I, I mean, I, honestly, it would probably, well, it gets related to Puppet Master, but it would, would probably be Blade. Um, okay, that was a couple years ago. That was a couple years ago. Like the newest of the full moon 
produced films. Yeah, it would probably be Blade. I I, I didn't watch like Ouija's or whatever the fuck that was. And I didn't, there was some <laughs> shit I just kind of passed on. But, they, you know, they, they, they pick up and they slow down with their films and stuff like that. So, uh, but I wanted to yeah, watch Blade. Yeah, it sounds Blade. like they're picking up heavy next year. Yeah, like, yeah. They're saying... Yeah, they go through waves, man. They'll they'll produce like a ton of films, and then all of a sudden they'll like really taper off, and then they'll produce a few more. And um, did they did they did they just recently do another Oopsie Baby movie or something like that? Or like fuck, they just they always yeah, come up with sequels uh, to their shit, the like spinoff. Yeah, yeah, the Baby Oopsie spinoff. Um, and then I actually watched um their new movie. It came out in this last year. Uh. Attack of the 50-Foot Cam Girl. Oh, yeah. I just was on the... So, they do the full moon streaming thing where all these full moon movies premiere. Um, but they also have, like, stuff from Blue Underground. And, like, it's just another streaming service. Yeah. Uh, but I have... I always get it because they offer, like, a box set for signing up for a year. So, you sign up for 50 bucks and you get it for the year. And then they send you the Puppet Master box set or... Uh, last year I did 10 free Blu-rays next year whenever I re-up you can get the entire Evil Bong box set with the 8 Blu-rays Yeah. so I'll sign up for that um, because you get it free you know what I mean Right. and uh, so I was just on there because uh, my, like none of my other streaming apps were freaking working and uh, I watched um, I saw the I was like let me see what New Full Moon's about and I watched the Attack of the 50 Foot Cam Girl and yeah, it's stupid, cheesy, fun like stuff. But I actually found it kind of fun, and I thought it was actually like pretty well written with the jokes. Right. Um, so I ended up actually really liking that movie. And, and it probably was worth your time because it was probably only sixty three minutes, right? <laughs> yeah, it was. I think seventy minutes, maybe. <laughs> That's typical full moon. I mean, they've always made shorter movies, but like they they got into this era was like seventy minutes was like standard, like sixty five yeah. to seventy minutes like became standard for them, which is fine, you know. And like a lot of people always can bitch and complain, like I'm not checking out full moon, they're garbage. I'm like, man, it's totally like it's not overstating its welcome, man. You know, some of that shit's actually pretty fucking fun, so. Um, but yeah, I get that. I'm not even hundred percent sure if that would be, if it's even eligible for me being international, you know, because I'm fucking on the far side of the world here. You mean the, the free offer? Well, the streaming through full moon, because you know how streaming rights work and stuff, right? There's a lot of streaming sites. Definitely. I'm pretty sure they have it in Canada. Okay. So I'm wondering, okay. So if they have the full moon, um, okay. So if they specifically have it, then there's probably certain things that aren't able to be seen on the stream and it's like netflix and shutter and stuff like our shutter is different than american shutter yeah. netflix is different there's I always these right different by a lot though yeah. because it's the, like the stuff that they're getting is like usually like like from blue underground like bill lustig owns all the rights to those movies yeah, like yeah. in in but, but for myself though North America. but for myself like if i was to get the full moon streaming i'd be getting it for the full moon movies which would all be available because if they have the full moon streaming in canada all those movies are going to be available because they're full moon movies <laughs> right yeah and it, that's why charles band was pushing it next year like he's they offer it they now offer that evil bong box set mm-hmm. and he's like sign up because we're releasing at least 10 movies next year right um and it'll be worth it basically so, I, actually, I actually have um, a, like a, you know for somebody that you know periodically buys full moon like i'm you know here and there it's like i actually have a really big full moon collection it's crazy like i like the, I, I like I, full moon the still, empire even to this day like the 90s stuff I, I really try to have all that stuff and i pick it I, pick, I cherry pick the stuff in the 2000s but most of the 90s stuff i pretty much own like almost every stupid fucking movie but 
But, you know, it's fun. It, it's cool to have better releases of them. So, and, and that was one thing, like when they started releasing their back catalog, like their 90s films on Blu-ray, it, it, it became worth the upgrade because they weren't the full screen transfers, you know, they were that we were getting on the DVD. So I always felt like the full moon stuff when you're upgrading was not expensive, but it was worth it because you were getting them an anamorphic widescreen and you were getting the better transfers and stuff, which I which I was a little bit worried about at first because everyone's like, well, it's full moon. They're going to be shit transfers, but they turned out to be pretty good and worth your time. So. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's one thing we've always, we've talked about Charles Band on this channel or on this show for years and years and years, but, you know, we've talked about the good and the bad stuff with Charles Band. Like he, he can do some pretty shady shit, but you know, you got to give it to him because he's constantly progressing and he's always on top of shit and he's always trying to, he's making deals with the fans. You know, he really is. This is mm-hmm. making deals with the fans. He's, he's enticing people to buy bigger things and he's, and he's, he's doing it properly. And I respect the, you know, the, um, that vantage point of his, of his business game. Because it does make sense. I mean, you don't have a business not to make money. And, and, and you know, why not keep putting your shit out there? Like, that's one thing he's been criticized for over the years is reissuing things constantly, constantly, constantly. But, you know, you can't complain if you're fucking buying them. Right? If you're buying right, the shit, why right. fucking complain? I mean, I have no problem. If he was reissuing the same DVDs, and all, I'd be like, okay, whatever. But it doesn't matter. You can't complain if you're not. You don't have to buy the shit. But he's, he is progressing. He's putting shit out in better forms. And bigger box sets and more enticing things, especially for the collectors. And, you know, again, he's recognizing that the, you know, the collectability of these boutique labels and things like that is so high right now. Like people are squabbling this shit up like it's fucking the last meal you're ever going to have kind of thing. Right. Like you look at Fender Syndrome, either sister labels are selling like crazy right now, man. Like if you, you know, if you ever, if you go on the website and you click on something, it shows you how many copies are left. Like yeah. these things are selling like way more than I thought they would be. Some of these like really obscure titles from like Saturn's core and, you know, and all these things. And I'm like, fuck, this is, it's blowing Dude, my mind. So. My copy Amityville curse, the slipcover sold out before I, I, during a pre-order. Dude, the, even the standard edition sold. I actually never even got it. I never even oh, passed did it on really? it. Really? The standard edition sold out too. I was on the website two days ago and I just, I was kind of clicking around on the, on the um the sister stuff i just wanted to see what was up for pre-order for black friday because there's like three titles i want to grab because i collect them and and i Mm -hmm. and i noticed that uh that one was sold out i was like holy fuck crazy and that's actually released on the canadian international pictures which i haven't bought any titles from them yet so but uh, i was i was shocked so they sold a couple thousand of those and it's um kind of mind mind blowing but that goes to prove my point that's just proving my point though man like even these like vinegar syndrome sells well but their sister companies are fucking banking too right now man they're Uh, they're making i think i literally think vinegar syndrome is the most successful um in terms of like bankroll out of anybody right now like i i might even say maybe not scream factory because they have like well shout factory mainstream yeah shout factory they're in like walmart and stuff like that but um besides that i i literally i think vinegar syndrome is making a absolute killing yeah i mean vinegar syndrome is like really really just kind of taken over by storm i mean i mean i love you know i love arrow and things like that but arrow's so hit and miss with me like there's a lot of stuff they release i just pass on i really do pass on doesn't it feel like arrow kind of fell off a bit well arrow when they first came out in the u.s like when they transitioned to the u.s too they came out like hot and heavy and i just feel like I just feel like nobody ever mentions Arrow releases well, anymore. Well, th- the problem is with Arrow right now is that they're in that re- they're in that re-releasing game right now. Where th- that last like year and a half, they do release unique titles and stuff, but for the most part, 
the things that people are talking about. Oh, they're, they're releasing uh, this Argento film on 4K. They released ev- they've re-released everything on 4K. So 4K is the big thing. So a lot of these companies are just taking their catalogs and, and putting out 4K versions. Like Screen Factory, I haven't bought a title in like six months because everything has been fucking just 4K releases of their back catalog. And I'm like, well, I just don't need this one on 4K. I just don't want this one on 4K. So they're not releasing anything unique, which is really a bummer. Right. Because, you know, right. there was a time where they were releasing so many unique films and now they're just like, well, the 4K game is what everybody wants right now. So what we're going to do is we're going to take Return of Living Dead. We're going to take the Howling. We're going to take this title, this title, that title. Alligator was unique as a 4K, but that's not my point. Most of the titles that they've been releasing in the last six months, eight months, even the, all 2022 have pretty much been in the 4K game. And if you're not even up on that or don't really care, you know, th- th- it's just it's just they're passing me right by straight far side straight passing me by. You know what I mean? And it's like, it, it, it's boring to me because I want more unique titles. That's what I'm always in the game for. That's why companies like Mondo Macabro and Vinegar Syndrome are so unique in in themselves because they're constantly releasing things and see in Severin that, that haven't been released and that we're looking for as collectors and, uh, you know, just as film lovers, you know? Yeah, the one thing that's concerning to me slightly about Vinegar Syndrome right now, though, is like some of the stuff they're starting to release is like, just no, i'm like uninterested in like well you can um, say you're just scraping the bottom of the house well oh man you know what that that's one of those weird titles that you know people like the movies respected but did, did we need like a 50 dollar 4k deluxe edition of fucking swayze's ass yeah it, well the thing is too that it's coming under that v uh hu line yeah. which is my favorite like releasing style that they've done and like it's just like, dude, save that for something cooler. I like the VSAs, <laughs> you know I mean? man. I like the VSAs, man, because that line is like all—it's got like all these crazy, cheesy '90s action films mixed in with like horror films and like I, all these I like obscure the VSAs. Too, dude, that right? line is so I miss cool. So many of them. Like we're so getting Don the Wilson ones. Dragon movies and like all these fucking Billy Blank. Like it's just so fucking insane the shit that they're releasing. Like I would have never in my wildest dreams ever expected those movies to even get like legit Blu-ray releases. Let alone a fucking special line within a fucking you know releasing company yeah it's just blowing my mind what they're doing with those releases like it's just such a fun line because you never know what's coming in the next month and when when it gets announced i'm like really that's amazing (laughs) it's like and there's and bono macabro does it though too like like look at the their latest box that they just announced the bollywood box set with like five six that that set is so cool like it's just a curiosity mondo doesn't get enough credit for what they do because there are they are legitimately one of the most unique companies because almost everything that they release is unique right and it's from around the world you're getting all these crazy movies and and shit like that and 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 they're totally affordable that's one thing about mondo that blows my mind is that they're not over they're not you're not spending the 35 40 dollars like you are on an arrow release or a fucking criterion or some shit like these are like 20 dollar blu-rays you know and unique titles and i I never feel like i'm just upgrading a mondo unless i had the dvd before which is kind of cool that they're releasing some of their back catalog now too but again that's not really the point um a little bit because some of their titles were long out of print and stuff, but we're getting so much unique stuff. It's just, but again, yeah. I know what you're saying. It's hard to keep up. Like I collect, you know, 88 film stuff and which is kind of cool. Cause they got the cat three label over there, which is really cool. And they got all the, you know, the Jackie Chan films and like, they, they're very unique in their style too. Um, but at the end of the day, man, you almost need like a second, third, fourth job, you know, to afford all this shit. <laughs> in a sense, I'm actually kind of happy that screen factory kind of just, went to the 4ks because i'm like okay well i can <laughs> i can concentrate on other companies because they're doing big things too you know so 
Yeah, but, I mean, but like, do it. Like, I'm just concerned that Vinegar Syndrome is going to step away from their like more unknown stuff and and focus more on these like like showgirls. Like, do we really need showgirls on some crazy edition from Vinegar Syndrome? Did they announce that? Um, no, but it's no, kind of known in the underground <laughs> that that's coming. Is it coming, um, or is it one of the secret titles that's part of the Black Friday package? I don't think it's a secret title for this oh, okay. batch, but it, it it's coming to 4K from what I understand. The same person that told me about um, this one, the uh, Roadhouse, also said that Showgirls was next. Oh, well, so it's definitely coming then, because I'm pretty sure I know who that person is. But, yeah, and uh, it, um, they uh, like I don't know. I just I'm a little weirded out by some of these yeah titles that I, they're you know. But you yeah. know, at the same time, okay. I mean, okay. So everyone has a different perspective on what cult films are. When you really break it down, there's like obscurity cults. There's like you know, there's there's different steps of cult films. No matter how you look at it, like Roadhouse kind of is too, but not to the like Showgirls turned into that kind of like oddball cult film, but it's just not an obscure cult film. People know about Showgirls and have always known about it. I think that's kind of why it's kind of like an oddball title. You know what I mean? Um, I actually don't really care for Showgirls that much, to be honest. I haven't seen it in years. I've never even seen it. I just, just something about the, yeah, no, it is weird. I I get that. Like I I still get it. Like these are still cult type films and shit like that. People kind of, you know, like I said, get it twisted a little bit, you know, like even like John Hughes movies are straight up, like they're popular, but they became like these cult phenomenon films, you know, cultural phenomenon films and shit like that. But, um, different stages of cults, but, uh, I don't know, man. Showgirls to me is a title that I'm not screaming. I need to pick up. It's just not. So. Right. And you know, some of them actually, so do you remember that one year that they released that? I don't, I never even watched the movies in it, but it's like some sort of like Mexican or, or something box. It's like a tiny box set. It's like kind of thinner. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, um, care started with a C or yeah, something. Yeah. It was like the Cardono set or something like that. Yeah. Cardono set. Yeah. I, they said that that was like the first volume of that. I think mm-hmm. it even says volume one on it. It does. Yeah. And that has, hasn't, maybe it didn't sell well or something because I'm not see like they haven't released another one. No. I believe someone told me that there's a magnet inside that box set that's supposed to connect it to another box set or something. So I'm, I actually like, can't remember. Right I would there. have to go grab it. I can't, I think there is, I think you're right. <laughs> I actually haven't even, I've seen one of the films in the set, but I haven't actually dug into that one yet. That's one of the ones I haven't really got to. Yeah. So, um, so, um, Hmm. I'm curious what the two surprise titles are this uh, this time yeah, here, I mean, with Vinegar Syndrome's Black Friday thing. Obviously, I'm excited for the Homegrown Horrors Volume 2. I know, that's awesome. Um, but the two surprise titles, the rumor is Psycho Cop is one of them. Oh, that would be fucking awesome because they did the they already did the sequel, right? So, yeah. Right, Psycho Cop 2. Yeah. I have a shitty fucking and, Australian DVD of the first one. It's like full screen v- VHS transfer. So that'd be nice. Plus, plus they're announcing the next two. There, there's two new VSAs that will be um, available to order as well. Yeah, which I'll have to jump on those because I have the whole line. But yeah, I'm always excited for those because, <laughs> like I said, it's just it, it's such a you have there's so the realm of possibilities is so 
vastly wide on that that you're like you see the tigers like oh yeah totally i would have never guessed that <laughs> i love that yeah. about that line man it's just crazy is it billy blanks is it more i have a feeling that at least one of the titles is going to be another don the dragon wilson film for sure i think that they're on this kick where you know they did a bunch of like billy blanks films and shit like that and now it's going to be don the wilson dragon which is totally fucking cool because i used to watch all these movies back in the day right so yeah, they were just cheapy, fucking straight to straight to video films that were always fun. I mean, Billy Blanks, he was he was the fucking bow tie guy or the bow flex or bow whatever the fuck. Whatever. Bow flex. Yeah, yeah. The bow bow tie was the, it bow tie? The, the, the yeah, fighting the, yeah. Um the yeah. Are you talking about the exercise machine? The bow flex? No, not the bow the bow tie. Like the guy, <laughs> Billy Blanks. He did the he the the style of fighting exercising that he did. Oh, okay. The bow tie, okay. whatever it was. Yeah, he was he's that dude. I yeah, always remember. The, yeah, I actually haven't dipped into many of those. Yeah, I think I, um, I have about like ten or fifteen of them. Mm-hmm. But I, like I said, I missed the first like ten of them. Yeah, the those first. I think the so first bad. one I picked up was like number twelve or something and they they go out of print really fast i wish they would have i wish they would do like another slim release of those just because like i feel like not a lot of people really were grabbing them at first yeah that line sells well because they range from anywhere from like three thousand to like six thousand available copies and they're and they're all hand numbered too which is really cool so when those ones are like five six thousand you know limited edition or selling out that's how many they sold that's crazy like you got to think like that line's yeah, doing very yeah. well, man. Like very well. Yeah, I, I think that the first couple though were like less than that. I would have to look. I I know. I think they're. I think you're right. I think the first few were like three to four. So they were. You know, they've gone as high as like six thousand for maybe a couple of them, but most of them like four to five. If you actually do the math, right? If if there's not the same amount for everyone, and then nobody, then everybody couldn't possibly have the chance to collect the whole line right exactly. <laughs> because if one's three thousand and one's five thousand it's like there's two thousand people that missed out on that right that's exactly true i know i've been pretty fortunate because i think what happened was the very first one that they released which i can't even remember what it is right now i was so intrigued by it i was like oh i gotta do this and then, and then i saw the packaging i was like oh this is awesome and I'm like yeah this is a brand new line i'm like oh this is cool and then it just it started just getting so mind-blowingly odd that I couldn't stop with the line. <laughs> like This is the greatest shit ever. So it, it makes collecting exciting when you just really don't know what's coming. So, but unlike yeah. screen factor, like I said, it's like, I know in the next few months, it's just, it's just re-releases of back catalog into 4k format. So, I mean, if you're into that and you're into w- wanting to collect all these 4ks, it's probably right up your alley. But a lot of these films, I just feel like I don't need the blu-rays are fine for me. I, I picked up a couple of them. Um, Dave just, um, Dave just posted that he might, that I was supposed to go to, um, his house for this Christmas party. And he said that he, he posted on Facebook that it might not happen now. It's kind of sucks. What you were going to go to, Oh, he's yeah. looking f- cause you're, yeah, I was going to go, me and Carly, we're going to hang, go hang out with Dave again. Cause he's pretty close to us. He's only a couple hours away. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Yeah. That's, I was, I figured it was only a couple hours away. Yeah. But we'll see um but yeah the yeah i liked it it's really weird like you realize like when you only live like a couple hours away from someone it's like really actually easy to go see them when it's only a couple hours you know see where you guys live to me is just normal (laughs) driving see like a couple hours away is just normal 
like it's a couple hours to every fucking city right so like you're just you're, you're driving in the abyss until you get somewhere where when right. you're driving over there it's like you're kind of always somewhere where i guess it's it's just kind of a different driving but yeah everything over in the east to the midwest and stuff like that is all close together where out here california all these it's everything's so far apart so we always have to drive like hours so and that's we're just so used to like people are like oh you drive eight hours to vancouver i'm like yeah it's fine do it all the time Right, like eight hours for you guys is like mind blowing. You know, like that's halfway across the country, kind of thing. So, but yeah, a couple hours away, man. It is what it is. So, when was he supposed yeah. to be having the party? Uh, I think it was like December tenth or something. Um, oh, so right away. Me and Carly yeah. were gonna go hang out. Uh, as long as the weather wasn't too bad, you know, you never know with December. But, um, yeah, so. I don't know. Uh, um, maybe we'll try to meet up another time. You guys should just um, take a flight over here. <laughs> right, I, yeah, I just exactly. flew over there, man. I just flew over there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Christmas, Christmas coming soon, man. Yeah. Actually, we got our um, Christmas party coming up. Well, December 3rd, actually, we'll be doing it. So I guess, what is it? Two weeks from now? Oh, yeah. It's only the 21st. Never mind. I'm getting all the dates all fucked up. So it's like, like two weeks away, but but we're getting into that season i got my tree up into the festiveness of it so i like the year i I mean i like the i like the holiday season so we like to extend it (laughs) are you guys already in the full-blown christmas mode too or what oh yeah pretty much i mean dude i'm not even joking uh halloween wasn't even over yet and there was christmas shit going up everywhere yeah i know yeah, it, it like it's kind of funny here too, man. Because like you go to Costco and and they have Christmas stuff up, up in fucking June. I'm like, man, Halloween's like in two months. What the fuck is going on here? It's just it's everything is so early. It's crazy. So I got to make a rule. Like I really don't have anything Christmas going until Halloween passes. So. Yep, that's how that's how it is for me too. Like once once Halloween's over, um, pretty much like um, I give myself the okay to get into like christmas movies and and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah i hear that man i hear that all right well should we wow this, into the this, this this has been a really long intro holy shit yeah has it i didn't even know I, ju- I just looked right now and it, it's i mean it, we we're like over an hour 20 at least damn okay so yeah that's uh i don't know do you have anything else no, that's that's pretty much it. Um, you know, let's let's get into these Italian flicks. All right, sounds good. All right, so that's going to conclude the intro, and we'll be back with you shortly with some Lindsay films. Gio. Yo, who this? Yo, Modes, it's your boy, the ill-mented funky child, calling you to remind you that the featured reviews on this episode contain spoilers. Aw, oh, yeah, man, that's right, brother. Thanks for the heads up, player. Now go back to being an unproductive asshole. Fuck you. I tell your listeners to stop being so dumb, silly, sensitive. Yeah. And now, our feature presentation. All right, so getting into the featured reviews here on episode 230, Umberto Lenzi Dux. Yeah, right here on Italian Horror Month, volume nine, I think. It's nine. Eight. 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 Yeah, we'll, we'll safely say eight. Yeah, that's pr- it is pro- eight. That's definitely probably correct. All right, so we mentioned the films off the top of the show, uh, and this first one, 
is um, a film from 1972, a year that we've actually covered and done an entire top 10 list for. Um, and this one is called Seven Bloodstained Orchids. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said off the top of the show, I can't fully remember if we discuss this in any great detail. I know it's been definitely brought up on the show on multiple shows, actually. But we've never done a full feature review and stuff like that. So, um, But yeah, this is a Giallo from Umberto Lenzi from 1972. Now, he wasn't overly um, new to the Giallo slash thriller type film at this point. Um, 1972, you know, he'd done a few films with Carol Baker before this one and after and stuff. So he's actually made quite a few giallo-esque like his movies are they're either straight giallo or they're kind of more thrillers and things like that like oasis of fear i wouldn't really count as a as a giallo it's more of like a thriller that's a really cool one from i believe 1971 i think the year before but if you never got a chance i don't know jp if you had if you picked up that umberto Lindsay carol baker set i did from not pick that up okay so it's got like paranoia in there it's got so so sweet so for purse um a quiet place to kill and i believe knife of ice in there those are all the films he did with carol baker all really good films you know and of course he did spasmo and he did you know the next one that we did eyeball and uh wastes of fear like all these movies are kind of in the same realm so he's like very familiar with mm. this type of genre which is very cool uh, so 1972, Seven Bloodstained Orchids, which is, you know, just a great title for Giallo, right? Come on. That's, <laughs> that, that's just the epitome of Giallo title right there. So Yeah, that's a, that, that is a good title. It is, yeah. Um, all right, so quick synopsis. A woman, a survivor of a failed murder attempt by a person dubbed the Half Moon Killer by the police, and her husband must find the connecting thread between herself, six other women, and the killer before the killer strikes at her again. That's kind of a oddly written um, synopsis, but it does it does sum it up decently in a couple lines. Um, Seven Bloodstained Orchids. So what is your thoughts? I know you've seen this movie before. Um, you've seen this one yeah, a couple times, I haven't you? I watched this. Yeah, this is my third watch. I actually reviewed this when we did Giallo Week on um, Body Bags back in the day. And, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, so just this, I mentioned this on the, the pre-recording that we did last time. Um, so this title was released by code red or scorpion, I believe. Um, and it went out of print, so I couldn't get a copy of it. I I never picked it up. I I don't know why I never did. Um, but I never picked it up. So I had to rent it on Amazon in fucking standard def, dude. You know standard death you know what's funny when i hear people like when i hear this story you know about how you missed out on the on the blu-ray and uh you know and then it goes out of print and then you had to watch and send i'm like shit dude i'm i'm sitting over here going well i have two copies on blu-ray <laughs> like <laughs> fuck me right like i have that one and i have the, the italian collection from 88 films i'm like this poor guy's watching standard fucking <laughs> Dude, I didn't realize it was standard def. I'm like, why the hell is this rentable in standard def when there's multiple HD prints out in the world? Well, that this is, is ridiculous. That is odd, actually. Like, why? Like, you think it would just be standard to have the HD print? Yeah. So it looked like ass. It was not even a good standard def. It was like worse than normal. Oh, that sucks. Um, which annoyed the hell out of me. Right. And. Uh, I was just annoyed, but, um, so yeah, this movie, um, you're probably going to have to help me a little bit this week because watching these movies two weeks ago at this point, 
like my memory is just shit at this point <laughs> especially when i start watching other stuff but um right yeah no uh this is this is i i love it the the like the first one of the first kills in the film with the um the the naked girl like in the like the bushes basically mm-hmm. and she gets like um bludgeoned to death right uh that it's kind of in like a little slow-mo-ish it looks like mm-hmm. um that that's a pretty cool kill it's like right at the beginning there's like kill 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 um then it slows down a bit yeah so we get so basically in the beginning of the film we get introduced to well we don't get introduced to the killer but we get introduced to a bunch of kills and uh and then we get a reasoning kind of behind it so basically the film starts out with this pov killer that knocks off i believe three women before our main character gets attacked on a train and what happens is so this killer kills off these three women and it's all random to us it's random at this point we don't know what is going on we just know that this killer is attacking women he's he's you know he'll call them hang up when they ask for their identity and then all of a sudden he'll track them down and kill them and stuff like that it's very typical giallo type stuff and then what happens is our our main uh our lead here uh i don't know how to pronounce her name what is it gulia is it gulia is how, how they pronounce the name in the film anyways what happens with our our lead character here is that she gets attacked on a train and mm-hmm. what happens is the killer thinks that he's killed her and so mm-hmm. they play off that that point and um they stage a fake funeral for her of course because she survives the killing and then she and her boyfriend they take it upon themselves to investigate what the fuck is going on with why she was attacked because she has no idea why she was even attacked at all and so that's actually a pretty smart like thing that i don't think i've seen before where they like basically stage the funeral and yeah like yep he killed her you know what i mean yeah yeah so that's actually a pretty good idea to escape us killer <laughs> right and and they use it too because a lot of times they kind of point at the aspect that um you know the killers a lot of times will show up at funerals and things like that so they stage this funeral hoping that maybe they recognize somebody that isn't there kind of thing and stuff but i do like this premise because it is played off that like she is actually dead she's fully dead so they investigate this thing which leads them to and you know there is there is a little bit of um you know kind of I don't really know what the word is for it, but like how our lead character can't remember faces very well. Convenience in the narrative a yeah. little bit too, right? So she, so they kind of play off the, because they keep asking her, they're like, well, what the fuck? Like you, you don't recognize the killer. can't remember the face and stuff like that. Why'd you get attacked? So one thing leads to another. And she's, Which is almost silly in a way, because like to thwart that, all you have to do is like have the person either get attacked from behind or right. the person's wearing a mask or yeah. something. It's almost, was unnecessarily plot but, convenience when you could have just written it out but the point is from the the thing is with yellow films is that we're seeing the killings from a point of view the pov killer so if he was attacking mm-hmm. her from the back it just it doesn't have that same effect visually right because you mm-hmm. want to see the the victim's eyes because that's all we're seeing from the pov killer is the victim's eyes right. so it, it holds that it, it holds so much more horror and it holds so much more you know girth to the story that you know you would see that person and that's how we get to see the terror in her face and stuff like that so but i do like the way this one develops so like once they start to kind of figure out like so they start to investigate this because you know in these giallos the the police aren't really the biggest help (laughs) you know so they're like gonna take it upon themselves and then one thing leads to another she sees the names of the other victims and this is kind of what um starts her investigation to the which leads her to the hotel 
So she sees the other victims' names and she kind of recognizes them a little bit. And she's like, I know these names. I know these names. And yeah, so she, you're getting the idea that they're connected somehow yeah, yeah. Uh, through this like hotel yeah. she used to work at. Because, that, you know, the cops come up with the brilliant thing like, oh, well, all these girls are being murdered, you know, kind of similar ways. So they must be connected. And you're like, well, they must be connected because they're happening all around the same time. You know, very mysterious and things like that. So so what happens is they investigate the names, lead them to this hotel where they were staying at. And that's the common that's the common ground with all these names is that all these people that were being murdered were staying at this hotel at the same time she was. So between yeah. like whatever it was like November 29th and thir- or 27th, 20- there's a certain time period. So what they do is they go into the hotel logs to find out the other names of potential victims and, you know, and figure out potentially who else is going to be, uh, you know, victimized and murdered or whatever and stuff like that and i really like that whole angle though because they really get into it of course the page is torn out of the logbook and you know a lot of the things that are happening in the narrative actually completely make sense because this is reality though too right like you know at a hotel you work at a hotel you know that there's a logbook and stuff and these names are going to be in there Mm -hmm. and things like that so all these things actually kind of make sense to how they investigate and how they figure out who potentially is going to be the next victims and things like that it actually is pretty like the pacing in the movie is pretty cool because we do get a bunch of killings at the beginning then we get this pretty much interesting investigation and how things kind of unravel themselves and and uh, which leads into the third act and i've I've got to say though like without giving the whole movie away like the kills are pretty good in this movie and it does really have that slasher-esque feel to it doesn't it like a lot of giallos more than you get in some giallos you know because there's like really ones that borderline way more on like the thriller aspect oh and then some more border on the slasher aspect right and and there's ones that you know they'll have a killing and then it's more of a police investigation or someone's investigating the murder but yeah. it, that's all it is there's one this movie actually has a full-blown body count right there's a yeah. there's like and, seven and it or eight ties to the narrative of like the seven blood-stained orc yes in the title which is cool i like that yeah and even the killer has like a calling card with the half um, moon the half moon pendant or whatever Yeah. And, you know, it's very typical Giallo fashion, you know, as we're exploring the narrative and as they're investigating things like, you know, our main character, her boyfriend has, you know, a half moon on his keychain, of course, which is a major, major red hearing. There's there's so much red fish in this in in, in every Giallo, right? (laughs) There's so much misleading things in Giallo's, which is the fun of watching Giallo's because you're like, quite obviously, it's not the boyfriend because why? Like, it's just too fucking obvious, right? But uh, yeah, it's of course, it's filled with the red hearings. But that's one thing I really always enjoyed about this movie. 1972, there's a lot of giallos that weren't done like this. They didn't have full-blown body counts. They didn't have these really kind of violent, brutal deaths like over and over again. Maybe in like an Argento film, you get one or two kills that are really violent. But this one has like seven or eight like kills in it. It's actually pretty crazy. There's and, actually like quite a hefty amount of plot in this film too, yeah. considering like some don't have as much plot. Yeah. Um, like there's a lot going on. I know, really a lot of I, red herrings and I really like this is actually like I really like this Giallo and I've always really liked the narrative and how it plays itself out. But I I will say the reveal in this movie is so highly laugh inducing to why the killer <laughs> is killing off all these specific women. It's actually really fucking funny because in reality, it would be just so much easier to figure out exactly one person you know, take the time to figure out who exactly did what they did. You know what I'm saying? Instead of just going through an entire, you know, fucking flock of people trying to get the right one. (laughs) 
funniest yeah. fucking narrative ever because it just seems like it's a lot of work to track down so many different people and you know kill so many people when you're after one specific fucking you know target or there's one reason and you know but you know at least in this one the narrative where it all goes to is, is kind of funny it's kind of ridiculous but at the same time it completely makes sense who is doing the killing it's not like it's not completely out of left field because it is it's relative to what had happened in the narrative but yeah you're right there is a lot of plot in this one but it's never boring this is not a boring uh it's not it, it, see the thing is a lot of the more procedural giallos you know like where they've really focused on the police and you know all the dumb things that the police do and things like that um i i feel like this one is just a little bit more um focused on being smart about the narrative too right i mean it has all those it has all those cliches and things like that in there but i think uh, i think it does a good good job of not overstating its welcome though too because you know that's another thing with giallo films sometimes you'll get some down parts and it just keeps going and going and going because they'll show you a lot of things that are just misleading like miss like we'll get into that in eyeball too I, f- I feel like there's a lot of elements in the narrative in eyeball that are just it's purposely misleading you this is very typical in giallos but that one just really focuses so heavily on misleading that it's like ridiculous you know where yeah. i feel like this one doesn't this one has a focus and it everything kind of unravels and makes sense it really does so um I don't know. This is this is a good film, man. It's got a good it's got a good score to it. Um, you know, it's shot well. I think the kills are violent and brutal, and I, I like that, man. It keeps you it keeps you intrigued because like the title tells you seven, so you know mm. there's probably going to be around that many kills, which is actually really inviting. It's pretty cool. So yeah, the the whole like reveal of like, who the killer is and stuff like that is just like hilarious to me <laughs> it's not who the killer is the killer makes complete sense it's why it's he's why. killing why. everybody yeah. and and yeah. even to make <laughs> even to make things even funnier he ends up killing like he's already killing a bunch of people that really don't have anything to do with what his why he's doing it but he ends yeah up like kill- the stage suicide and shit it's like uh. yeah well yeah like well that one i mean that does make a little bit of sense because you're you want to throw a curveball to the police and maybe kind of throw them off your track by killing someone else yeah. that was already potentially a suspect or it yeah. could have been you know whatever so you know maybe the you know maybe this guy was so under pressure that he killed himself it does actually kind of make sense again going back to the narrative it is kind of smart in a sense but the fact that like i love this one little curveball they throw in the film with one of the characters has a twin sister who ultimately meets her death <laughs> yeah it's like oh my god dude like this movie is actually kind of mean-spirited in the in the sense that like a, <laughs> most of the people in this film that die have fucking nothing to do with any they're so innocent they're yeah, so right. innocent it, and that's why i feel like well, even the idea is that like the reason that he's killing these people is because he doesn't know which one mm-hmm. he's supposed to be killing so right. it's like well i'll just kill them all <laughs> but that that was my point it's like so you're this person that's devising this plan to kill everyone on this list which is there's like seven potential victims that did something would it not be easier just to maybe investigate yourself and figure it out and just take out one person instead of wasting like so much time and energy on killing so many people it, it is really funny to me it's it's such a funny reveal it's ridiculous but um yeah riz riz Ardlandi does the does the um the score in this film too which is fantastic it's really good really good stuff um but uh yeah this is one of the more kind of oddball 
giallos that is just uh like the body count i don't know what it's something i'd actually like to figure out sometime is look into giallos and 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 you know kind of rank the highest body count giallos out there this has got to be one of them like really like even in our gentles films like you think about it the body counts aren't generally that huge right no right like this one has a lot of kills it's fucking it's insane it's insane to me yeah i'm actually that's actually a good <laughs> right? idea to figure out what the highest giallo body count is. And that's what I mean. Like, you know, when you watch slasher films, there can be a lot of mindless slashers where there's literally a killer in the bush and he's just taking out everybody that's around. So, right. You know. Well, slashers are definitely known for body count, whereas giallos typically aren't. So when you get a high body count, usually what, like five is probably what you're usually getting or less. Right. Um, with, with and in this film, you get three, right? in the first opening in the opening you yeah know? <laughs> and then and then you get a fourth potential victim who actually survives it like it's like four in like a matter of like 15 minutes it's crazy it's like ridiculous mm-hmm. how, how how quick it goes and you think that the pacing would be put off with that but it actually doesn't really affect it a whole lot it does slow down a little bit because you know you have to get into some narrative you know you got to get into some red hearings and you got to get into all this kind of you know um plot progressive plot and stuff like that but um there's like one really mean-spirited part in this film which i never really made sense to me after you watch the film you're like okay i understand why the killer's doing what he's doing and why he's killing these people and but why did he kill the cats oh the, dude yeah and like <laughs> the whole cat thing is like i was i'm glad you so mean-spirited it's like, it. it's like not only did it's not like he just like snapped their neck or something like he poisons them and yeah. then you're wondering was he was this how he was gonna kill the woman like he because it was milk right yeah they, they poisoned them the milk and she gave the milk to the cats so she's like all these cats are dying in front of her and you're like what the fuck is going on here i know like it, maybe he that maybe that's what he was trying to do with the milk but it didn't seem like it though Right? Or was it just like a sick diversion like type thing? Or was it intent? Like I was wondering, like what was the motive behind the the cat deaths? Was it purely coincidental, or <laughs> was it intentional? <laughs> I don't know. Like I mean, I guess I guess it, it would have been purely coincidental if he was trying to kill her with the milk. But I don't think it was played out that he was trying to kill her with the milk. Though it seemed like he killed the cats because maybe he was like afraid of cats or they were going to go tell on him or something. <laughs> 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 It just seemed it, it's odd. It's very odd how it's done, but but yeah, uh, I'm glad it's in there because it's just something different. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, like this movie, it does have a high body count, and it's it's actually pretty violent. Like um, the the one prostitute that gets fucking bludgeoned to death and shit, like that's pretty brutal. And there, there's one really there's one really fancy kill in in this film with um oh the one uh, the one lady that gets killed in her the bathtub. Uh, no, I think it's the apartment where she gets she gets killed and she's kind of bent over and the paint's dripping on her after. It's like a very it's very it's kind of an artsy kill. Like that's actually a really well shot uh, kill sequence with a really nice result and stuff. It's literally paint dripping on her, but it looks it looks cool. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was actually really cool. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, for a high body count film, they they tend to really not shy away from the violence and the and the, the blood and stuff like that, which is kind of cool. But um, yeah, this one, you know, again, like a lot of Lindsay's films, even though like obviously the late 60 ones feel like the 60s. But this one being in 1972, again, feels like the 60s. I don't know what it is about his films, but they, they just couldn't get out of that 60s time. It has that 60s feel to it for me. I don't know why. But um, another really good kill in the film is the drill. Yep. That's a good one. That's actually a vicious. And it's it's even funnier when you think about it, like who he's killing with the drill. <laughs> Like, oh my God, dude, like 
that girl shouldn't even have died. That's the funniest part of the, th- of the fucking thing. So I don't know. I-, I think I just have a sick sense of humor. I probably shouldn't be laughing at that, but I do find it funny that that's like a total mistake. It's ridiculous. Um, but, uh, I don't know without like it, 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 this movie, I just want to reveal the whole goddamn thing. I mean, I guess we'll put minor <laughs> spoilers, but it's, uh, it's at least it's one of those giallos with a narrative that completely makes sense. It's not ambiguous at the end. Um, unless, I mean, most giallos aren't really that ambiguous. I mean, you do get the odd one. That's kind of like, really? I feel like the killer was pulled out of left field or they don't really explain something that well. Or like, it just doesn't even make sense. No, it doesn't. Some, some there's literally ones where it's like, like there was one we reviewed a couple, uh, no, last year, I think it was with the, it was like a lesbian thing going on. It just like didn't make any fucking sense. Oh. Forget what it, that one was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, the, the, you get that odd giallo where, you know, a character is mentioned, but not really shown. And then that, that person turns out to be the killer. And you're just like, what? Like, it's just, it's, it's misleading to the point where they, they're leading at all these characters that are on screen throughout the whole film. And then they'd mentioned this one character maybe for a second. And that, that one turns out to be, the, and you're like, what the fuck? Like that, that type of shit is just like, to me is totally poorly written, you know, at that point, this could be anybody. Right. So, but this one, I feel like actually has a pretty good, pretty good script to it. So, and I feel like this one kind of gets overlooked a little bit. It never really gets mentioned in like the top, top giallos or people's favorite giallos and things like that. At least I don't see this one on many of people's personal lists or whatever it may be and stuff like that. I don't know. I think it's because you know, those ones always seem to go to like the Argentos and the Fulci's and things like that. And even Martino gets a lot of love in those type of things, but Lindsay's films, not so much, but, but maybe now though, but maybe, but maybe now, um, Lindsay will start to get a little bit more, uh, love because, you know, he got the Carol Baker, uh, box it out there and stuff like that. And people maybe check those out. So so do you have anything else to say on it before possibly getting into ratings? I mean, there's not really. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I think we covered it without going into like a full blown ending reveal uh, pretty well. All right. So um, do we have, we have Dave's ratings on these too, right? Don't we? We do have, we do have Dave's ratings. He did send his ratings in. All right. Um, well, we might as well just read off Dave's and then we'll just go with ours. Okay, uh, so he gave it a seven for seven bloodstained orchids. Hmm. Um, I guess you want me to go next? Sure. Okay. Uh, I actually, I really like this movie. I think it's, I would put it up there with some of my favorite giallos. Um, one of the very few giallos that I've actually seen more than twice. You know what I mean? Right. I've actually watched this three times. Uh, you know, other ones is like Argento titles. I don't think I've ever seen, I don't think I've watched very many and your vice is a locked room. I've watched a handful of times too. I really like that one. Um, but yeah, so I, I think this movie's good. Um, I don't really see much problems with it. I listened to a review of it. Uh, I was trying to refresh my memory on these titles earlier this week because I was like, you know, it two weeks later to record. I always try to watch movies right before we do the show, like essentially, or two before um but i was listening to a review and they just tore this movie apart dude and i was like wow like i don't know i didn't really I didn't really why would what were they yeah, saying like they they 
literally nothing just that it was so boring and it was uh nothing happens and the opening's good and then it just falls flat the rest of the movie it was literally just like repeating that it's uninteresting um it was a podcast i never listened to before but i just searched the you know seven blood Saints so they just wanted on- so they just wanted like you know more of the beginning like straight kills and then just no story at all because you have to have yeah, some I, I don't plot know. progression it, it sounded like this particular podcast was trying to get into italian movies mm-hmm. oh, okay um so it might be one of those situations where like the uninitiated doesn't really understand what they are um right maybe <clears throat> Um, and, and let's be honest, like some people just don't like them. Um, they, they don't get into them. They don't yeah. think they're interesting. Yeah. Um, but I just w- listening to the review, it didn't really have many po- like critiques that I would say are critiques. It's more just like, it's boring, which to me is like the worst critique. Cause maybe explain why it's boring. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I don't even know the name of that show, so I'm not even going to mention it, but, uh, I mean, they were well-spoken, um, podcasters they just didn't really have good opinions on this one right but yeah i liked it i thought i think it's a actually really solid um it's entertaining the whole way through i think that the pacing despite it having you know three kills right at the beginning and then sort of like a little bit of a lull after it picks back up again and there's you know decent body count and stuff i i give it an eight it might be a little high but that's where i'm at uh, actually, you know, I'm I'm actually just a tad bit higher. I'm in at eight and a half on this one. I really like oh, okay. I, I really like the narrative in this one, and I like where you know how it, it feeds into the whole Frank Saunders thing, and and it, it it brings up that whole angle and how it investigates that. But everything ties in and makes sense. That's what I like about this narrative, right? They're not just mm-hmm. like throwing out names. They're not throwing out situations and and misleading you to the point where, like I said, in a lot of there is giallos out there that'll mislead you to the point, and it, it kind of goes off, and then and then you get a reveal and you're like why the fuck like i get the the misleading because that's all part of the mystery and stuff but like it gets to the point sometimes where it kind of takes over narratives and they just don't they don't incorporate certain things properly like this one i feel like it does the whole frank saunders thing and then you know and then how it it goes from there like i said i don't want to give everything away and stuff like that but i I like that whole thing of how they find out like oh he's a suspect but no he's actually dead and then this and that and then it's pretty cool it's it's an interesting one i think and again you know it comes down to personal taste and preferences and think if you don't like or have the patience for a narrative that you know you really got to pay attention to and you know have patience with like giallo's giallo films are films that you have to have patience for right you really do. Everything's not coming to you spoon fed and it's not coming to you directly. You know, you gotta, you gotta, there's a ride there and you gotta be on board for it if you want to enjoy it. And, you know, I think this one is fun. And again, it has a sixties vibe because you know, it's got the whole hippies thing. And I don't know, all these fucking Lindsay's movies from this time always feel like sixties films. Like, like I said, Oasis fear is the same fucking thing, but I like that. It's kind of cool, but good score. It's good. It got, uh, it's shot well. Um, and I think the kills are brutal and violent and just, this is one that's just not mentioned enough. I'm I, It's too bad that Dave wasn't on here. I'd like to hear why he was at a seven on this one. I don't know if it was a first time watch for him or not, but I, I feel like he, he, uh, these were all first time watches. Okay. Oh yeah. That's, that's right. I picked them. That, that's right. I, I'm actually kind of curious because I thought he would really like this one and maybe not like the next one as much, but Mm-hmm. so I, I don't know sometimes it just it, it, it's the way it works out i guess but you never know giallos are one of those things where you could have a seven rating you watch it again you're like oh maybe i'm at an eight or eight and a half or something like that you know who knows you notice different things right 
So that's the mm-hmm. beauty of these films. They do have rewatchability if you're into them. So I highly recommend Seven Blood Saint Orchids. I think it's uh, one of Lindsay's uh, uh, great ones. So, anyways, that's going to conclude Seven Bloodstains Orchids from 1972. Eyeball, the most blinding horror ever seen. Eyeball. All right. So getting into the second featured review here on Umberto Lenzi Dux, we're going to go to 1975 with a film simply called Eyeball. I believe this is actually his last of his kind of giallo thriller films. I believe this is the last one. And again, you know, even by 1975, this was like a late entry too, right? Because it pretty much had kind of died off by this time. So, Right, um, yeah. And this was a first time watch for you? Uh, yeah, this was the only first time watch for Umberto Lenzi. Okay. Um, and again, <laughs> uh, I had mentioned on the other recording that we did uh, that nobody will ever hear, so I'll just repeat it now. Um, this is a title that I initially thought was in that Severin box set, the the Lenzi box set. That yeah, they the Carol did. Baker. Yeah. Um, because I searched on Google. Um, eyeball blu-ray and of course the 88 films one popped up but i don't think i had time to import by the time we did these shows and then the other one and then that box set was showing up and i was like damn that shit was in this box set i didn't even know turns out it wasn't in that box set not sure why that was popping up maybe just you know similar things but uh so i ended up watching this on youtube which actually had the hd print i assume it's the um 88 films print but i had to watch it with like a fucking youtube horror host who was intercutting the into the movie every 15 20 minutes to do nothing (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) and i was like annoyed as shit i was like shut up bro (laughs) skipped ahead like uh it was just a pain to watch it that way but it was the hd print so i was like i gotta watch I, i'd rather watch the hd version oh, uh, than, the, than the not hd version so um yeah it would but I, like so i didn't have the best time like watching these movies this week oh my god um, i did own the blu-ray <laughs> of the third film though so that at least was good um but yeah i'm 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 wondering if this is going to get picked up by somebody here in the states to release a, a disc version I mean, if any company is going to do it, it'd probably be Severin, I would assume. But yeah, no, it's never had a region one. Like it had, I have an older German uh, DVD of it. So I got the, I had imported that years ago because there was no release here. And then 88 put out their Blu-ray. So I I picked up that also, which is, I think it's also, well, no, it is uncut. I think the German one is missing a couple scenes, but uh, yeah. So the, 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 88 films is uh, really, really, really worth the time, though. It's nice. So, All right, so getting into the synopsis of Eyeball from 1975. A maniac killer in a red cape and hood is killing off American tourists on a tour bus by gouging out their eyeballs. (laughs) I mean, dude, on paper, sounds pretty fucking awesome. (laughs) It does, man. And you know what, man? So I imported the German DVD years ago of this and watched it. And I was like, oh, man, it, I, I didn't I wasn't in love with this movie. And mm-hmm. I, I did find out that it was like slightly cut or whatever. You know, I imported that. because, Ew. Of course. Yeah, I think there was like a, you know, I think there was one or two things, whatever. 
And so I was like, okay, whatever. But, you know, I had to grab it because there was no Region 1 release. And, of course, 88 Films put out their Blu-ray. Fantastic. Rewatched it. And I was still honestly underwhelmed by the movie. You know, I feel like it is a late entry by Umberto Lenzi. He's done a lot of better films in all types of genres than than uh, than this one. But I just feel like the premise of this movie sounds so awesome, right? It's literally a killer stabbing out people's eyes. Like, that's fucking amazing, right? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't play out like that. It's like ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So what we have here is a bunch of American tourists on a bus in uh, Barcelona, Spain, right? And basically, you know, it's a tour bus. So they stop at these locations and every time they stop, someone gets picked off. Now, the first thing is, it's like, would you fucking get back on the bus after the first one or the second one? Or like, really, would you just not get back (laughs) on the bus? Because people are getting fucking pegged off, man. I don't know. Yeah. And then also people who aren't even on the bus are getting picked off. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, you know, this one sounds intriguing. Um, but the prob- the main problem with this movie is not the reveal. Like the reveal, it is what it like. Why the person's doing what they're doing? <laughs> it's a little ridiculous. It is actually it's way more ridiculous than Seven Bloodstained Orchids, man. It's ridiculous. But this one right here just seems so far fetched because it's so random, right? It's like someone, you know, it's so far after the fact of what happened. So something happened to this person when they were younger. Right. Like a lot of motivations in these films, but it's like a long fucking time after, like we're talking what, 20 something years after (laughs) the fact, but then who the person, the people that the person is killing, it doesn't, there's, there's one thing that's in common in which, you know, I mean, this is a minor spoiler, but I mean, everybody obviously has the same color eye or the eye, eye color, right? It's called eyeball. That uh-huh. that's that's like the main connection between the victims, but in in a sense, the victims are all kind of random to um, the the murderer. And but the way the narrative plays out in this one, though, man, it's fucking tedious, dude. This one has the worst misleading, the worst red herrings. You know what the thing I hate about this movie, though, is you know the the main guy that's investigating everything, like uh, Mark Burton, you know, played by John Richardson. Mm-hmm. So the the investigation seems to always be leaning towards his mysterious wife that isn't with him, right? He's he's on he's in town for business and he's on this tour and blah blah blah, and he's got this wife and and there's one thing that leads to another and then she kind of becomes a suspect because she's not with, you know, with Mark Burton and things like that. But then it turns out that like you know the motivations were like to kind of use her to kind of pin it on him and things like that. It's just the motivations and the way this movie is written is just so poorly done. It is a poorly written giallo. And I, man, I saw Dave's rating on this one and I was like, holy shit. I I was really, really shocked at how he came in where he did because maybe he's thought a little bit different than me. I've seen this movie a few times and it it seriously gets worse. I swear with every watch narrative wise, I don't mind the whole angle of this person knocking out eyes and things like that. But I just feel like the whole investigative part of this film is just ridiculous to me. There's so many people being incorporated to this. It's leaning towards so many different people. And I feel like the person that's actually doing this is like, I don't really know, man. Is it like, honestly, like, is she complete or is that person completely fucking bad shit insane or just, I don't know how to explain this killer in this one. Do you? Yeah. I I mean, I think that it's more like, cause the reveal seems like more, uh, like psychologically damaged, like insane. 
I would say. Yeah. Um, like it just the way that it's it's done. Like it's like oh, this person's great, batshit insane. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, I actually honestly kind of really like this movie and i get where you're coming from with the with the narrative not being the strongest and stuff but something about the america like the tourists and like the the group of people and you know it almost has like a like agatha christie vibe going on to it a little bit so i have this movie done like i actually have this written down i said basically eyeball in a nutshell is agatha christie on a bus it's it's 10 it's 10 little indians on a bus it's literally what it is right yeah and it really is and i don't know if that kind of just works for me or whatever and i like the idea that this person's like stabbing people in the eyes and stuff like that and honestly i kind of like the raincoat thing too how Mm -hmm. they incorporate the red raincoat and like like the suspects it's like well you like i don't have my raincoat anymore and stuff like that i just thought it was a, a little neat but i do agree that the this like when it's all said and done it's it's actually like a really big messy storyline and doesn't make the well, most yeah, sense yeah because once you get the reveal of who's doing the killing you're like okay but then you, then you start thinking about it from a different angle like psychologically psychotic like because you got to remember this isn't just like a recent event that's happened to this person it's like so far after the fact like why is this happening now and the, get, there's really no explanation to why no. this person just snapped all of a sudden well, that, in that's a what later that, stage of their life. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, the, like that's what I'm saying. Like, it's poorly written from that that narrative perspective. Like, it doesn't really even make a lot of fucking sense. Um, the, the 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 link between the victims does make sense based on you know the the eye color and stuff. We'll give that away. It's, it is what it is. That completely makes sense. But I don't know, man. I just feel like there's so many characters involved in this film because like it literally is ten. There's a Indians. lot. It's a big cast. There, there's a big cast. It's a tour bus full of people. So everybody's a potential victim from not only the tourist to the to the actual tour guide to like there's other people involved in shit and it's crazy. And like, like, doesn't someone's husband just randomly fucking show up who wasn't even on this tour like the lead's husband or something yeah yeah and, and like, like where I, the fuck did that guy come from well, and like i said like <laughs> not only do we have a lot of potential suspects and a lot of characters like we have like this interracial lesbian couple which is actually kind of oh interesting, yeah, yeah i forgot about which that is actually kind of yeah, interesting I, it, it's an interesting angle in the film because this movie really doesn't have a lot of opportunities to be overly sleazy. So they throw in this like interracial lesbian couple. So we get some, you know, sleaziness through that. And that's kind of why they're there to be honest, really. Right. Because it plays into the narrative a little bit, but at the same time they utilize that situation of, um, you know, the sex and stuff to, you know, to kind of put a little bit of sleaze angle into the film. I feel like that's why it's there. Do you? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it, this one actually does feel quite sleazy in general. Yeah. Um, the the actress um, who plays the uh, black and uh, and Ines Pellegrini, yeah. I actually really liked her in the film. She's yeah, probably yeah. one of my favorite. But it, you know, um, it's people an, in the movie. It, it is interesting when you really think about it because I never really thought about it till now when I said interracial lesbian couple. But you didn't really see that a lot in these films at all in this time period. Right, like he didn't see. No, a lot of, in did, fact, the only person that I feel ever touches on homosexual angles is Argento. Right, right. Uh, it, it's true, it, and they're usually like um, side characters. You know what I mean? Right, and you know, I mean, it's and, and but to go one step further, to have it interracial, which was even a bigger kind of taboo thing back but, in the day. Right, right? exactly. So like, that you don't see. I can't think of really many instances of a, of uh, films 
not only even Italian films, but even of the era of the 70s, early 70s, yeah. that had a lot of interracial, whether it's lesbian or not. Right, right. So that's kind of an interesting angle here. But it does it does play into the narrative a little bit. There's some certain things that are kind of revealed in there and stuff like that. And it, it's kind of cool. But again, like this movie does have a shitload of characters. There's a lot of, you know, just potential... <sighs> potential killers it's almost hard to keep track of and like i said it's a messy narrative in the sense where our main character his wife becomes a character and she's not even really in the, in the film it's used as like a total red hearing to mislead and i just i really don't like that angle because they spend way too much time with this mysterious wife angle don't you find like i, I feel like that's way it takes way too much and they they really kind of kind of discount that whole angle right in the right in the main reveal of the film and it's like it's something that it takes forefront for so long in the movie. I'm just like, ah, oh, it drives me nuts every time I watch the movie, man, because she's not even there, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It yeah. just I just feel like it, it takes too much. There's way too much involved in that. Um, and I do find it a little bit slow at times and shit like that too. But um, what is? Oh, actually, no, they do reveal that. I was thinking why they killed the priest, but actually, they do reveal why. The priest is killed in this film too because he was like a potential um witness right yeah okay yep that's right so not only is there just a specific i was gonna say breed of people <laughs> but mo- <laughs> but mostly women are being killed in this film um and then yeah the, of course there's a priest that goes down too and stuff like that but i don't know what it is man this one just seems a little bit tedious to me at times i i, I mean it's not a horrible film by any means i like the setup i mean there's some there's some things that are happening you know to be honest one thing about the movie that's a little bit disappointing is actually how the murder scenes were filmed. You more or less just get to see like the aftermath. And even from there, it's not even the greatest. I think there's a, a potentially a really missed opportunity with the one kill where the girl gets her eyes stabbed out, obviously. And uh, she kind of gets eaten by the pigs and shit like that. I, I mean, I get it. It's 1975. And you're probably not going to show a lot of that. You're just going to see aftermath and things, things like that. But I, f- mm. I feel like a couple of those scenes probably could have been done a tad bit better. It just feels a little bit shoddy. It feels like the editing's a little bit, a little bit off to me and stuff. It's just disappointing. Giving that, hey, someone's getting shanked in the eyes. I want to see some of this shit, man. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's it is what it is, man. And even like, honestly, dude, it's not even one of my favorite scores. Bruno Nikolai does the, does the score in the film. It's not like one of my favorites. It's not the worst thing I've ever heard either. Um, mm. but, uh, yeah. What, uh, what do you think of the, uh, the original title, the giallo title, red cats in a glass maze. I kind of like it. Red cats in a glass maze. Um, I mean, the red makes sense. The, with the raincoats, yeah, and they're all... And and the glass does tie into it? And I guess the maze would be, like, the mystery of, like... Yeah, obviously. You know, they're all sort of, like, in a maze of, like, not knowing who the killer is, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, thought it was a pretty cool title. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very simplified to Eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> right. Eyeball really does sound like a slasher film name, doesn't it? Like, Eyeball. Like straight up, and it kind of it kind of plays. I mean, when you're getting stabbed in the eye, I mean that's very slasher esque in a sense. But again, you know, a movie with a pretty decent body count. I think there's like, oh, it's a little bit less than Orchids, but it's around the same. A lot of people do get shanked up in this film and die. Um, what what do you think about the end of the movie? Like there's 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 a point. You mean the film, like the well the actual the like, I like not not just the reveal of who's doing it, but then like what happens to the killer. 
and you know things like like what happens to that person and there's a moment where actually one of the investigating officers says that you know he's been working homicide for what 30 years never used his gun and things like that i'm just like oh my god and there's there's things like that i'm just like oh for fuck's sake it's it's like foreshadowing to the point of like almost it's almost hilarious hilarious to me because you're like okay i know exactly what's gonna happen <laughs> because you why would you say that why would you say that right you know it's just in my in my opinion it's it's got some really bad writing sometimes foreshadowing can be funny but other times when it's like meant to be serious you're just like oh man that was really bad that was actually really bad yeah. and i'm not even trying to catch on to that shit it's just sometimes it just happens so <laughs> it just happens but, but but what do you think about like the whole kind of last like 10 minutes of the film ridiculous i mean it's it, it I, I i honestly didn't know who the hell was going to be the killer or anything and and then i was also just i, I was genuinely like puzzled like why like why why this like set this person is it just because there's like all of a sudden a bunch of people with the same eye color you know what I mean <laughs> or like and also the thing with the like glass eye didn't really I was like didn't really understand that either like so it's like are you trying to put people's eyes in your eyes because that doesn't that's not how that works <laughs> well yeah I, I mean there is there's literally a scene where she, where the killer is like pulls an eye out of a victim. And is going to put it in her empty eyes or in their eyes off, whatever you want to fuck. But you know what I'm saying? Like, but the problem is with the, with the whole glass eye angle is if you think back on the film and you look at the killer throughout the film, the person clearly does not have a glass eye. Yeah. Like that's it's a problem. That, that's a major problem <laughs> because like it's a major problem because it's quite clearly not. And in like, and then all of a sudden it becomes this angle and then you're like, what the fuck? That's why it's like one of those like left turns. You know, it's like anybody could be the fucking killer at this moment. Right. Right. You know, so I mean, I just have I just have a lot of problems with with the writing in this movie. Like there's so much better written giallos and, you know, even entertainment value. Like, I think that this one has a lot of lulls in it. I think it just has so much characters that are being investigated. And it's just all meant to, like, throw you for loop when the killer is literally right under your nose. Right. So mm -hmm. I don't know, man. It's just, I want to like this one a lot more. And I do, I, I do like aspects of the film. I like the, the way the killer looks. I like the way, the way the killer is killing. I think the reveal is ridiculous. It's actually funny to me, but it's confusing. It's confusing. I also the like the, uh, little, like, um, sideshow attraction thing that they do with the kill in there. That was kind of cool. Which one? Like it's like the little like ride, like the car, like the oh. carnival attraction type thing. Right, right, right. That's kind of cool. Yeah, different. I still think the funniest thing ever is when they're talking about the what, like why the priest was killed and stuff. And like, oh yeah, yeah. And then the, they actually show a picture. <laughs> mm -hmm. They're literally holding a picture, and it's got the killer in the background holding a fucking knife. I'm like, oh my god, that's so. Like, when do you ever see shit like that? I know it was like it literally makes me laugh every time I'm like you've got to be kidding me that never happens in these movies that's so ridiculous I don't know but uh yeah it's it's definitely one of the more ridiculous ones. it's funny too because if you go back and you watch the other Lindsay films like they're just so much better written in these movies than uh than eyeball it's crazy it's just, it's it almost feels like an afterthought to me especially like after watching like spasmo was the film that was made before eyeball do you remember spasmo 
Yeah, it's a pretty good movie. Yeah, it's really well written. It's like really well written, and there's there's a really good twists and turns and reveals in that one, and it plays on the psychological angle, and it plays off a lot of things in Spasmo that really does work. Where I'm all like, okay, seriously, we're just gonna have what we're gonna do to the audience is we're gonna make them um, think that one of these forty five characters in this film is is the killer, but they don't even do that. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, prob- very, very problematic. You know, it, it's entertaining, but at the end of the day, if I'm picking something to watch, I'm not popping an eyeball every single day. So, yeah. Um, ratings, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, g- give Dave's again. Okay. Uh, Dave also gave this a seven. Yeah. Okay. So I already knew that. And I was like, man, I'm confused that he gave this one the same as orchids Seven. because i just feel like orchids is such a better movie and i would love to hear his his angle on his rating for this but you know it is what it is um i'm in at a six and a half out of ten i i think it's solid enough for what it is i just think it's very problematic and it's just mm-hmm. uh it lulls a lot i think there's just way too much uninteresting narrative in the middle that it's just oh man it there's too many people involved in this man. And it's not like I can't keep track of the characters. It's just that there's so many characters in there. There's a lot of them are just really uninteresting. Besides the like lesbian couple, they're probably the, some of the more the more interesting, but I really can't stand the angle with the mysterious wife that is just out of town. It drives me nuts. It's stupid. Yeah. You actually talked me down a little bit on this one. Um, I was coming in a little bit higher, but after talking about some of the flaws and realizing them a little bit more, I came down a half point. So I initially was at a seven, but I'm going to come in where you did with a 6.5. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, you know, it makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, I'm not here to try and talk down people, but I mean, if that's what happens, it happens, but it happens naturally in the conversation sometimes where you don't really think about things. Yeah. And I'm not, well, talking through a film, I've changed my ratings a ton of times when talking through the film, you know, cause that's where you're actually considering everything. Right. Right. I think there was, I think there was a funny moment on one of the shows where Brandon was like, I think you talked me down a couple whole points. <laughs> Something like that. I was like, wow, that's a big difference. <laughs> that's pretty funny. But yeah, no, it, de- it definitely happens because sometimes you point out things you're like, Oh yeah, totally. Right. And you're just like, Oh shit, that makes sense. You know? And, but uh, yeah, no, that would have been interesting to hear Dave's angle on that one because I'm just confused yeah. by the same rating on both those. Considering I think they're 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 very far apart for me, given mm-hmm. six and a half and eight and a half. So you know, it is what it is. All right, so that is going to conclude Eyeball from 1975. All right, so getting into the third and final film here on Lindsay Dukes. We're going into the 80s. 1988's Ghost House, a.k.a. La Casa 3. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the La Casa film series, uh, that was a lot of the it was a lot of a lot of films were redubbed as La Casa films in, I believe, Spanish, right? Was that what it was? Uh, well, the La Casa, yeah, no, it was the, well, the Italian title for Evil Dead was La Casa, right? Oh, and, so it's Italian titles. Then. Yeah, yeah. So when the Evil Dead movies came out, they were dubbed as, they were called La Casa. And then basically this was just piggybacking off their, 
um, their popularity. So you know how the Italians do, they make unofficial sequels of things. So ghost house was just a La Casa three as a fucking evil dead sequel. Like I think we are, um, witchery, I think with La Casa four, I, th- I believe, or something like that. There, there's so many of these yeah. that are dubbed into the La Casa. So it's yeah. La Casa one is evil dead. La yeah. Casa two is evil dead two. So right away we're at the same franchise. Yeah. Then La Casa three is ghost house. Yeah. Then La Casa four is witchery. La Casa 5 is Beyond Darkness. And then La Casa 6 is House 2, the second story. Not even House 1. Yeah. And then La Casa 7 is House 3. Yeah, which is also known as The Horror Show. Yeah. Yeah. So which isn't I know, really even a house move. No, it's actually not. Well, it was never intended to be. That's actually why the alternate title is The Horror, the horror Show. And yeah. And it's it's been released, actually, as The Horror Show also, too. So um that one is annoying so, I, I that so movie literally the horror show is in two separate franchises that it has nothing to do with yep exactly <laughs> yeah and and it's, the funny thing is i don't even like that movie either so it's it's kind of like ugh, it's odd it's very very odd um yeah, but that's actually we should do the house series one day there's only four films and yeah. i love the first two yeah yeah i know three is one i don't i I like like part four is like straight comedy but there's this one funny scene with a pizza that it makes me belly laugh monster thing it it makes me laugh every time it's just so stupid and oh man it makes me laugh um okay so ghost house from 1988 uh synopsis visions of a deceased girl and her doll bring doom to the visitors of a deserted house i believe that is kind of like half-assing the anyways i don't want to read the whole thing but anyways ghost house um 1988 is okay so this is like one of those typical italian films that completely plays off of nightmare logic (laughs) so (laughs) you can't try to decipher anything in a logical sense in this movie because pretty much everything that's happening isn't it's so illogic it's there's so much illogic to this film it's ridiculous and you just kind of take it for what it is um, and I think that's kind of what I like about the movie, because if you're familiar with like Fulci's work and there's a lot of things that happen in, in some of his films that it's just like nightmare logic. It doesn't matter. That's what you chalk it up to. And this is a perfect example of what Lindsay was doing with this type of logic. Um, yeah, absolutely. So basically we have this guy that's like, a what does he work for? He's like, he does, he works for some type of radio transition. Um, he's, He's like an amateur radio operator is what it says. I'm not sure whatever the fuck that means. What is an amateur radio operator? I'm not like, like I'm not somebody like, that has like a public access station or something. Yeah, I guess they, they monitor some type of radio activity and stuff like that. And yeah, so he's kind of set up to like monitor certain radio activity and things. But anyways, he kind of he ends up intercepting a basically a cry for help. Like there's a voice on the other line mm-hmm. that sounds really, it sounds serious and real. And it's a person basically screaming for help, like help me, help me, help me and stuff like that. So they use their 1988 technology to figure out the location of where <laughs> this radio wave or this call, this radio wave came from it. And of course they, they find out the location of the house. And so they pack up their gear and they go to investigate because they truly feel like it was actually like not somebody fucking around on the airwaves. It was legitimately mm-hmm. somebody that needed some help. So they pack up their stuff. He loads his equipment into the back of a truck and they head out to this house. Um, And basically they find out eventually that this house actually has a history behind it. There was some murders that happened, which we get introduced to the the very first scenes in the film are actually of this, uh, this mom and dad that get murdered by something um, in the house. Very brutally. I might act 
uh, actually. The killings yeah. in the beginning of the film are really cool. And um, so we get to see that in the beginning of the film. Then it jumps 20 years later into what we just explained right there. And then they end up back at this house. And um, yeah, people end up dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, though, because you have two you have like a group of people that break into the house while there's another group of people who are broken breaking into the house i know it's it's such a weird setup and things like that but <laughs> i know i know right like so they get there and then these people are you know obviously investigating but then they meet up with these other people that have already been there <laughs> like this guy's yeah. got his equipment set up in the house and we actually learn very quickly that um the voice that um our main character heard was actually the dude from the house but he's like, what are you fucking talking about? That, that, that couldn't have been me. I didn't do that shit like that, right. which plays into what I said before about nightmare logic, because it's actually a, a voice premonition, essentially. Yeah. It's somehow voiced itself from the future, which they heard to investigate. So it's almost like the supernatural killer kind of pulled them in to like for more victims. I'm not really too sure. There's no motivations to it. It's just evil shit, I guess, is how you chalk it mm-hmm. up to be. So anyways, but we get this scene later in the film with one of the characters where he actually walks into this room and something happens. And he's like, help, help me. And they're like, holy shit, that's the voice that we heard on the tape. And then, yeah, he ends up died. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's uh, it's a really wonky narrative because it's like all over the place. But we do get some inserts of backstory with the the old couple or the parents that got killed in this film. Um, as to why they potentially got killed. So this guy worked at a funeral house and he kind of was a little bit shady. He would take things from the dead. Just stealing shit from the dead people. Yeah, yeah. so like he they is, were... How creepy is that? You steal a doll from a little bet dead boy and give it to your daughter. Well, I That did... is some fucking creepy shit, bro. It is creepy because this doll was supposed to be buried with this person and he's like, nope, I'm not burying it with the person. I'm going to give it to my daughter and it turns out it's obviously haunted or it's evil. It's got some type of evil entity to it and stuff like that. and and Which is pretty much responsible for their deaths and shit like that. But, like, the whole angle of, like, locking up the girl in the basement and, like, her, the investigators never finding her and shit like that is it's kind of a weird angle, too. Right? Right, yeah. Like, the whole... the Honestly, this whole movie is very weird. Like, even, like... I mean, it's it's a little nonsensical. It's super but nonsensical. But, like, it's, the, the narrative is, like, kind of kooky. It's just... Uh, like it's it's kind of almost hard to explain if you were to explain it to somebody who like the gist of it is like hey there's these people that heard a radio broadcast and it's like this haunted thing from something that happened in the 60s but like when you like factor in like the the stealing of the body and like the future um sort of uh premonition and like the groundskeeper and like the pol- like the way the police think that the groundskeeper's killed the kid or whatever and then they yeah the groundskeeper is like that red hearing the groundskeeper is that total red hearing right you know he's like he's like the crazy ralph type character and stuff like there's a lot of elements of this film that are totally ripped off from americanized films which makes sense because this is him trying to make an american film right kind of like a supernatural totally feels like it's trying to be an american like late 80s it feels late 80s as hell too yeah like supernatural slasher film essentially what it is with nightmare logic like there's a lot of things but you know honestly man some of the kills are pretty good like i like the um like the opening sequence with the the parents getting killed is actually pretty good and then the uh, the younger sister the very annoying younger sister in the film who's always bitching complaining mm-hmm. and fucking moaning about every little goddamn thing she comes to her death and it's a pretty good she gets split right in half. That's actually a pretty good death and stuff. So, you know, it does have its moments in the movie. And to be honest, this is a very 
entertaining film if you just take it for it is the it very is. oddity it is because like i said there's so many weird elements because there's really no story all we know is that this doll is obviously evil that's all you really need to know right and there's there's something going on with there and then there's the other weird thing with the with the the I guess it's like the the entity is chanting or something. It's like it's it's got that little weird music. Because Dave even said he's like try to figure decipher what it was saying. What do you think it was saying when it's like I think it's saying Hey mom, you there? Hey dad, you there? I think that's what it's saying. It's like Hey mom, yeah, you there? Hey dad, you there? I think that's what it's saying. But it's like so you really got to hear it like, <laughs> a, but you do it. And the thing is, you hear it like a hundred times over the film. But I think that's what it's saying is I think it's saying, hey, mom, you there. Hey, dad, you there. I think that's what it's saying. It, it might be saying something else, too, but that's what how I decipher it anyways. But it's so catchy because at first you're like, OK, that's repetitive. And then it keeps doing it. And you're like, OK, this is kind of funny. <laughs> I kind of like it. Did you recognize anything about the house? It is the same house that uh, Fulci shot House by the Cemetery in. Correct. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, cool that thing. is actually really yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, obviously, just done a, a lot differently inside and shit like that. But yeah, that's pretty right. cool. Um, I do feel like, I mean, even with the decent kills that are in the film, like there's potential to have like a lot more. Bo- I mean, I guess the body count is pretty decent because it does feel like a body count film, really, right? Like it feels mm-hmm. like a, it's a supernatural slasher is essentially what it is. Um, it's not overly high, um, but I don't know, man. It, <laughs> It's a fun movie. It, it definitely has its moments. It definitely, it, 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 the thing about the movie is it really doesn't have, it's not boring at all. Like you're just watching yeah. this ridiculous supernatural elements and you're just like, okay, I'm going to shut my brain off. It's fun. I, I really like the music in it. Who does the actual, like the actual score for this film? I got to look this up. Um, um, Montaneri. Oh. oh, why do I know Pierre that name? Montaneri. Why do I know that name? Why do I know that name? What else has he done that I can recognize? Um, oh, he's done lots of movies I've seen before. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the actual score, like the, his theme score to this is actually really cool. It's really catchy. So uh, that's another thing from these late 80s movies, man. There's a lot of scores that are really good. They're obviously like synth scores and shit, but they really work for what they are. I know, uh, Diamato actually produced this movie. Um, I believe he had a hand in the writing too, didn't he? Did he not? write a little bit to this movie i can't remember yeah i think what Umber- did you say umberto lenzi actually yeah he he was one of the writers in this he was one of the producers and writers so yeah this was at a time where <clears throat> italian films were not this was at a time where italian films were starting to um be pretty much made for foreign markets because the film market in italy wasn't doing so hot yeah. For indie stuff or like horror, you know, the horror stuff. So this is where we started getting a lot of films that were intentionally produced to release in the states. That's why yeah. you start getting a lot more English speaking. He did this huge wave of like American, like Ghost House was one of them. Then Hitcher in the Dark, you know, House of Witchcraft and House of Lost Souls. Like those two movies were the other side of the the four house films. He did Falchi did two of them too. You know, House of Sweet Horrors mm-hmm. and uh, House of Clocks. So these were four TV yeah. movies that were made for basically American audiences and stuff. And a Nightmare Beach, which came out in 89, which is, you know, a, a guy on a bike slasher film, which is pretty cool. So yeah. he did all these like 80s, late 80s movies and stuff, which are actually all pretty entertaining. Like House Lost Souls, um, the TV film was fucking. I, I rewatched both those like last week when we were doing Lindsay. They're super fun, man. They're super fun TV films. I've never seen those. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Um, I kept remembering the transfers being shitty on those old Vipco DVDs from the UK, but they're actually pretty fucking good. They're crystal clear and they're letterbox, but they're, they're really clear 
transfers, mm-hmm. which is shocking. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Ghost House, I, I don't really know what else to say about it. I mean, it's entertaining. It's nightmare logic. The kills are decent. It's got a good score. It's It feels like a late 80s. If you like all those things, man, it's definitely something to check out turn your brain off man just turn your brain off it's it's got some decent gore i like the melty shit at the end it's kind of cool mm-hmm. i like all that type of stuff and yeah you know just try not to make sense of it and and it'll probably be enjoyable so um i've always liked it though i've always liked it uh yeah i like it too it, it, it's one that i've always dug so who well what's uh what stays rating on this one uh, so Dave came in at a six on this one. All right. So who goes next? Back to me, I believe. Okay. Um, yeah. I, you know what? I enjoy this movie. I don't think it's like phenomenal or anything in terms of like just quality. I don't think it's like overly like well-made and written, but in terms of fun factor, it's up there. Like it, it's, it's a good easy watch. Uh, I give it a six and a half out of 10. Six and a half. Yeah. I'm actually at the same rating. Six and a half out of 10 too. Um, it's just, it's solid fun, stupid fun. Yep. So, I mean, really <laughs> La Casa three, take it for what it is. Ghost house, La Casa, whatever you want to. It's, um, it's decent. So, but, uh, yeah, that is going to conclude Umberto Lenzi two episode 230. Yes, it is late, but it is now complete. And yep. <laughs> yeah, we barely got it complete again i don't know <laughs> dude we've just been having like such a horrible time with uh it, technology and yeah stuff. technology sucks right now i don't know what the fuck is going on with the skype but this is absolutely ridiculous so but anyways mm-hmm. anyways man that yeah so i guess we'll be back next week with uh sergio martino and what are the movie, what are we doing again for martino we're doing all the colors of the dark. Yes. Um, <laughs> I can't even remember what we're doing. I'm so, I got. I can't bad. remember. Oh, the strange vice of Miss Worth and something. Oh, case else. of Scorpion's Tale. It's case of the Scorpion's Tale. That's right. Go. Yeah. So yeah. So those are actually all three really solid films. So that'll be another good one. And uh, yeah. So. I guess we're not really too sure what's going on for a third party on the show, but I will probably have one. Maybe it's a special guest. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah, it could be a special guest. We might have to break out the five questions. Yep. We might have to do that. So, okay. All right. Well, that is going to conclude the episode. We'll check you guys next week. And uh, we out. Deuces. Five minutes later. That's all, folks.